Hello guys and gals, I am back to do a little more educating on our sponsor, Sport Suds. So, I know that hunting clothing gets more and more expensive. Even I have to justify the cost as a diehard hunter. I mean, seriously, it's hard to swallow a pill of buying a $200 hoodie that I'll maybe wear for two weeks out of the year if I'm lucky with my work schedule. Well, what I'm starting to do is I'm starting to buy more solid earth tone colors so that I can wear them effectively every day at the office. But I don't want to buy these expensive pieces of clothing and then just beat them to death with normal detergents. Especially after I have a hard day in them if I go and do some cardio work with my pack or something like that. This is where Sports Suds comes in. It's gentle on your clothes while at the same time eliminates that odor that comes from the excessive sweat and grime buildup. Uh, do you know why your clothes smell so good with other types of detergents? It's because it leaves a residue on them and makes it smell that way. Don't do that to your new newly purchased gear. So make an investment on your investment and take care of them when you wash it and use Sport Suds. We're only running this promo code for a few more weeks. They're offering a huge discount to our listeners, so be sure to stick around until after the show to get that discount code for a whopping 25% off your order. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Lethal Podcast, uh, Coronavirus Quarantine Edition. Uh, we were lucky enough to be joined by a guy who's been uh, friends with us for a long time. His name is Brent Hahn of Valkyrie Archery. Brent has been making some really high quality stuff for years, and we had a great chat with him about his current product line, the benefits of microdiameter arrows, front of center, and a whole lot more. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this one a lot. Um, I would like to make a quick announcement for something that we're very excited to bring you. We are now partnered with Hunter's Blend Coffee. They are now the fuel for this podcast, and they're going to uh, be what keeps us going in this dire time of quarantine uh, when we need an extra cup of joe. Uh, if you don't know much about Hunter's Blend, they take pride in donating to various conservation organizations. But here's the really cool thing. They will be making those donations available to the Ashby Bowhunting Foundation. So if you use code ABF when you check out, uh, when you're buying your coffee and your mugs and everything else from Hunter's Blend, 10% of your purchase will go towards the ABF as a donation. Their website is huntersblendcoffee.com. So go check that out. Get you some coffee. Make sure you use code ABF to make sure that the Ashby Bowhunting Foundation gets some love from your purchase as well. As always, if you like the content, check us out on social media. We've got a Facebook and Instagram page uh, that I swear I'm going to post more stuff on Instagram. I'm really suck. I really suck at it. I'm sorry. Uh, also, feel free to drop us a quick review on iTunes. I mean, let's face it. There's a good chance you're stuck at home anyway. Do us a solid and take 60 seconds, probably closer to 30, to head over there and uh, uh, give us some more exposure online if you could. Drop us a quick review. Anyway, I've been talking long enough. Here's our episode with Brent Hahn of Valkyrie Archery. Enjoy. So you kind of already told us that uh, the uh, Leopold scope and rifle story, but what's uh, uh, what is Brent's uh, like hunting story? How did how did Brent Hahn get into hunting in general and then lead that into bow hunting, I guess, if that wasn't from the start? So, well, I started, yeah, my dad was a rifle hunter. So I used mm -hmm. to go with him before I could hunt and then um, finally got to hunt, you know, with a gun. And then we met some friends. I think I was about 13 or 14 and they only bow hunted. And so with recurves, his old bear recurves and stuff, you know, uh, cedar arrows, you know, the old school stuff. This is back I don't right. know, about 1980 or something. 
bare razor head. So as soon as I started shooting the bow, I was like, holy cow, this is pretty awesome. And, uh, and back then it was pretty cheap. You know, I bought a Browning Nomad from Bow Hunters Discount Warehouse in Pennsylvania for $72. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I started with that and, you know, bow, just started shooting whatever I could back then when I was a kid. I If it was alive, it was in trouble. Well, it wasn't really in trouble, but it was going to get an arrow, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I did that whole thing. And then uh, just over the years, just kind of grew on me. I love shooting the bows and um, got into the compounds and hunting and I mean, look forward to it every year, but I only hunted in the fall, you know, for deer and elk season in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. A little so you, bit. You, you born and grew up in Oregon too? Oh, uh, no. I was, uh, grew up mostly in Oregon, but also in California. So it's kind of a, okay. I was born in California, but then we traveled around because so my dad was a baseball player. So. Oh, nice. That's cool. Up. Yeah, yeah, I've lived all over Puerto Rico, Florida, New York. Oh wow, um, he was a he was a journeyman then. He was doing he that was for, oh, for big real. league or you know yeah a big league ball player. So baseball. that's awesome. So yeah, we've traveled around, but anyway, every fall and what so when I was younger, like early high school and stuff, I can remember we always would go deer hunting, rifle deer hunting. It was always in October, and we'd always right. be listening. If he wasn't in the World Series, we'd be listening to the World Series at deer camp on a little tiny, um, you know, transistor radio that we pack sure. into <laughs> yeah. the mountains yeah. on AM. And, uh, it was, that was like a thing we always did. And then, um, but the bow hunting was growing on me about that time. And, um, you know, ever since probably as soon as I hit college age, it was, I almost quit rifle hunting altogether. Yeah. So we just, the last rifle hunt I did was with, uh, my friend, Brandon Davis, he was with best of the West and I drew this a tag in Idaho a few years ago and he had just been on that TV, um, was working for best of the West and the TV show. And I was like, uh-huh. Hey, if you want to do this, I was going to bow hunt that hunt. I drew a, you know, kind of a special Idaho tag late season and, uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, if you want to do it for the TV, I'll just bring, you know, bring the gun and, uh, we'll just go, you know, we'll rifle it. So, um, it was pretty cool. We had a pretty good hunt, got a pretty nice deer. And the funniest part was he was like, we had a deer at 700 yards, you know, it's best of the West. They have all the long range rifles. Oh yeah. 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 And uh, the super dial and Brandon is like a master freaking spotter. Yeah. And he's like. Okay. And he gets me all dialed. I'm like, he goes, I go, I don't want to know why. I said, you just tell me, you know, what to turn it to, where to hold. And I'll do that. Cause I could, you know, I know how to do that, but I don't need to know why. Right. He's like, okay, do that, do that. You know, we get everything all set. It was like a Chinese fire drill on, t- on the show. It looked really normal, but it was, there was a lot going on. Cause I couldn't get in a spot. Cause I was laying downhill kind of shooting up uh-huh. and, uh, I couldn't get my, anyway, so it was funny. We needed a camera behind the scenes watching what was going on because he actually threw his two or $2,500 Swarovskis in the dirt underneath my elbow, like threw them, like <laughs> ripped them off his head and threw them down and goes, here, use this. And, uh, cause we had a small window where this deer was going to come through. Right, and then, so right. I get it under my elbow and I'm like, okay, I'm good. And then he's like, okay, well, I'll just settle down. I'm like, dude the deers at 700 yards <laughs> <laughs> i'm used to him at like seven right i'm right. not i'm not everything i'm only worried about if he makes it through the hole before we get set up 
And he's yeah. like, okay, yeah, sorry, sorry about that. I go, yeah, I'm not really nervous about that. I mean, as long as he dials the, you know, as soon as he gives me the coordinate or the numbers to dial, um, and those guns were fantastic. They just, oh, yeah. wherever the crosshairs were and, and Brandon doping the wind and stuff, it's, it was, yeah. he was done. That's awesome. So it was pretty cool. That's super but, cool. But That's the satisfaction cool. of, it was pretty awesome and I did, did it for him, but I can tell you that for me, the satisfaction of getting in close and shooting them with a pretty much silent bow and arrow mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. way more satisfying. Oh, than, I agree. Than shooting them at 700 with a gun. And for me, you know, I yeah. mean, but no. I do uh, shooting long ranges. And, and I have to say that all that was done with Brandon's expertise. Cause he's the one that built the loads, dialed the gun and, yeah. you know, doped yeah. the way. I mean, that was his thing. And I told him, I said, I don't, you do all that. I can put the, I know, you know, I'm pretty good at shooting, um, and holding steady and pulling through the shot and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, shooting shooting long range is is definitely an an art. Uh, and people, yeah. I see a lot of people haphazardly shoot pretty far a game that shouldn't be. Uh, yeah. It's um like I'm mean, I've shot in a, like a local circuit for the Precision Rifle Series here in Missouri, mm-hmm. and so you know I'm routinely shooting out to you know a thousand twelve hundred yards. And man, like some of the shots I hear some of these guys talking about taking on game, I'm like. Man, like I shoot more than ninety nine point nine percent of people, and I don't know if I would take that shot unless I had a one hundred percent feeling on the wind value. Like, there's just no way you can predict. Well, it's hard to know. At, at That's that what I was asking Brandon. I'm like, yeah. well, it's blowing like that right here, but what about a thousand yards over there on the other exactly. side of the canyon with the sun? Yeah, on? <laughs> yeah. But here's yeah. the thing with Brandon. You know what he does on the weekends? He goes up What's in the mountains instead of like stump shooting with your bow and arrow. Or, you know, a lot of trad guys do that. He takes uh-huh. his rifle in the mountains and shoots rocks across canyons <laughs> in different winds and conditions and all that stuff. You know, he's got all yeah. the. So he, he the was prepared to do it. He knew what he was doing. Oh, yeah. he knows exactly what he's doing. I mean, that's yeah. what he does. I mean, that's his thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, with the spin drift and all, he's got all that stuff worked in. And yeah. I'm like, <clears throat> Coriolis effect. It's a, it's a real thing. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, yeah, he's it. like trying to tell me all about it. I'm like, dude. That I not I don't know I do bows and arrows. You could we could talk arrows all day long, <laughs> but right. I don't want to know about that. I all I need to know is, you know, where to dial the scope, which little mark on that flat line to move it over to mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. for the wind drift and and uh, anyway it works out pretty good because I pull through. I mean, in fact, I didn't even know what I was doing. I was talking to um, Joel Turner because mm-hmm. I was uh because i told him i could shoot a rifle and he's like well right. how do you do it i said well i just you know i get all set up and i start <laughs> oh, pulling man. through i, I feel like anytime joel asked me a, on yeah, that yeah, anytime joel asked me a question <laughs> I'm, i have so much hesitation in no but i was just, i told him i said i start pulling it if my crosshairs move off i stop as soon as i get in to the crosshairs get back on the target i'll start i'll keep pulling if they move off then i'll stop you know, and so I just keep pulling until the gun blows up. One, it's on the target. As soon as it's off target, I stop pulling. And he's like, well, yeah, you, that's what we try to teach. And I'm like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. just how I do it. So sometimes it takes a long freaking time to get that. But oh, with, yeah. with Brandon's guns, though, he sets his trigger at like a pound and a half. 
Ooh, so the instant Lord. it gets, oh, well, when I shot that deer, I said, as soon as I hit the crosshairs, I go, okay, start, boom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. And then when it went off, I, I don't know if everybody had, I could, I know where the crosshairs were when the gun blows up. Right. Yeah. Which is what I call it. I said, I was, about, I was like, dang it. I was about three inches right. And he's like, this is 700 yards. And he's like, no, it's over. It's over. Because the deer was tumbling down the hill. I'm like, I, I don't know. And he goes, no, he's done. And I was like, shoot. So we get up there. And no kidding. That bullet, the hole was three inches to the right. That's awesome. So, that's, that's, yeah. That's so cool. But it was, it's nice to shoot weapons that go where they're – it's just like with a bow. If you put the yeah. pin on it and the arrow hits where the pin is, that's what you want. You know, oh, if yeah. you do everything right, as long as you don't screw it up. And those guns yeah. were Brandon's guns are like that. Yeah. Well, you so. don't uh, you don't use pins very much, right? You're a big uh, traditional guy. Nah, well, I hunt with traditional gear mostly. But okay, all right. I have been. Well, I mean, I did compounds and then lost interest. Um, sure. Just because it got to the point where it wasn't. I can remember the exact time where I said I'm done with a compound because <laughs> there was a squirrel in a tree it was only about 35 yards but it was way up there and i drew back on him put the pin i'm like he's freaking dead and i just shot him and that was without sights on a compound and i'm like and i was like you know what i go this i'm done with this i need a bigger challenge and uh (laughs) so then that's when i went to the to the traditional stuff so how how long have you been shooting trad like uh consistently oh off and on from well even when I was shooting the compound in the early days, I still sh- we still shoot recurves, um, like old bear recurves and stuff all the time. So or old Martin hunters that we had. My dad bought me a Martin Hunter um, when I was in high school. But I shot that and that Brownie Nomad. Then we got the God, I can't remember carbon something from PSE. Okay, um, the, those are old. Those bows. That was back when rangefinders were like about a foot long and you had to dial in and recalibrate them. Uh, if they got hot out, <laughs> it, wow. they would try to, cr- Oh yeah, that was before your time, but they were kind of, they'd work pretty good unless you had a severe temperature change. <clears throat> then you wouldn't, they were, it was old school for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so you, you've been bow hunting for, what'd you say? Like 30, over 30 years, probably close. Yeah. Since about, yeah, 14 or so, 14 or 15. So yeah, it's been almost 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when, when did the, when did the story of Valkyrie begin? Like, was it, it, I I know you said you've tinkered with stuff for the better part of No, it goes way past way past tinkering um this is every year well i could say honestly i did it before i got married but it really started after like after college um Mm -hmm. because i was still building arrows but i mean i was just reading magazines and building them like they said in the magazine pretty much right um and then i got to where later on when i started my own business and stuff after college I started trying to figure out, well, and I had some bad experiences, you know, I mean, good shots on elk, they turned into the arrow and the arrow would stick in their front shoulder with a loud cracking sound, go in about two inches, either fall out or break off and they'd run off. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I'm, I'm in Oregon hunting a lot of, back then we had a lot of public ground and getting a shot on one bull, uh, Roosevelt is pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. So you and spend like three weeks trying to get a shot. You finally get one. You're so excited. You make a good shot that bull moves or you nick a branch or something. You hit him in the shoulder. It doesn't go in. Terrible heartbreak. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> yeah, the boat. And that's when I started thinking about Mike, there's, I mean, I have to do something. And we, and so we kept looking for, you know, reasons why and how to fix it and then you know the funny thing was so then grizzly stick came out i don't even know how many mm-hmm. years ago this has been yeah alaska bow and, supply at the time probably yeah it was alaska bow hunting came out with the ashby stuff and all that and i was like oh my god somebody finally is building what we need i spent thousands of dollars <laughs> i didn't care <laughs> i was like i don't care how much it is because i was trying to shoot you know the old uh grizzly broadheads that ashby used Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's yeah. a lot of work. I mean, dude, I used to ha- – I they would come like not sharp or not even close to sharp. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you had work. to sit there with a file. I mean, my thumbs and stuff would cramp from file sharpening. Oh. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And, uh, in fact, I thought about even sending the guy that used to own it the pile of metal shavings <laughs> in an envelope and go, here <laughs> – this is your job. Because <laughs> I was so pissed. Because I Don't mean, I'm going to make another one. Oh for my god! Me. It would take me like with a with a that little uh, broadhead holder and a hand file. It took me like an hour, and then I'd use the Lansky to get them mm-hmm. perfect. You know, a lot of guys are mm-hmm. doing the Lansky now, and I'm like, it would take me like an hour per broadhead, and oh, I'm like, man. this is ridiculous. <laughs> and so that's why when we, I had a lot of pet peeves from the archery industry. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when we do our broadheads, they come sharp. I mean, you don't have to mess oh, around. They're, they're scary sharp. sharp. They're scary so, sharp, that's um, for sure. But that's yeah, kind of... I need to like come visit you and figure out how to get them back to that level of sharpness. Because I'm well, not pro- good. I'm a, well, I was a terrible sharper too with the two blades. Even with the uh, wheels, like the grizzly stick sells the big wheels and uh, the paper wheels. You still have to hold that edge at a certain angle at a certain spot on that wheel. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you get that wavy thing going down there. It'll be sharp, but it's wavy. It's not perfectly straight. So it still takes a skill. That's why knife makers, I mean, those guys are pretty impressive because they can hold oh, yeah. that edge on that. And like, I can't even come close. That's terrible. But with the three blade, you do two blades at once. It holds the edge. But the biggest thing that I noticed with sharpening was most guys don't take enough steel off the blade. Mm-hmm. They sit there for hours saying, I can't get them sharp. Even when we're running the, the straight edge three blades on a flat surface, mm-hmm. you still have to get the burnt. You got to take metal off. I mean, yeah, I never yeah. did. I was just like, these things just don't get sharp. Well, I just <laughs> wasn't taking enough metal off <laughs> to get the burr. And then you knock the burr off and then hone it up. And then you're good to go. But most guys, their sharpening problems are not taking enough metal off the blade. Don't so. most of your heads run like just a little bit heavy, just so once you do sharpen them, they're still. We good. do that, like but, you know, only like a few grains, but like, yeah, it's usually not like noticeable. Between, but we only everything will be within five grains of the right. stated weight. So if it's two, if it's two hundred grain head, we we cut off at two hundred five. If they hit two hundred five, mm. we keep it there. Just gives you extra grain weight, but. Um, and we're slow. We're kind of refining that as we get. 
you know, through every order, we light it up slightly because we've, we're starting to find that at longer ranges, the broadheads have more surface area than the target tips. So they'll actually create a little drag, more drag at extreme yeah. range. So that if yeah. we want to, so you, we probably, if you want them to hit exactly the same at extreme ranges, you'd probably run them a couple grains lighter. Yeah. I was actually so, shooting a hundred yards the other day and I had to add like maybe a half yard to for them to group together just from the drag. But yeah, I don't so, think that was a weight problem. That was just a slight drag difference. But it was drag, but if like, they come out a little hotter, then they'll, it'll kind of yeah. counteract it and it gets I you a little closer. I haven't weighed those yet either, so I actually don't know. But yeah, they they're were new. They're going to be slightly over. But, I so, bought them from Jake Downs, so I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he's ran those through a few animals. Just yeah, the a few. 180s? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Garrett's got F-180s to last him until the end of the COVID-19 apocalypse. That's good. Yeah, I have so many. So those wouldn't... Um, so those should last you a long time because laws oh, yeah. are just too sharp when they go. But yeah, if you want to send them in or come down. So we use belt sanders. If somebody hits a bunch of rocks or something or just keeps target practicing with one over and over and over, just knocks the edge completely off. Mm-hmm. Um We'll we'll grind them down with a uh, belt sander. Yeah, and then um, get, so just I have the, the wheel back. kit, but it doesn't take a whole lot off. The wheel kits for maintaining your edge. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, so, it doesn't take off enough. I'll use a. I have used a rod, and then I'll use the wheel kit after that because I've got like a fairly abrasive, like Lansky rod, just a small rod, mm-hmm. and that'll give me like that'll take enough material off so that the wheel kit will work again, but. Yeah, so the, it'll just you know best, it just polishes it up. Yeah, so but that's the main thing on the sharpening is getting the you have to get the edge back. We usually use the grit, uh, the belt sander or the grit wheel until you it's catching on your nail, mm-hmm. and then buff it out with the paper wheel and the rouge. Yeah. And then they come back to just right. But you know, like I say, if you got if you have some that are severely damaged, I we have guys send them in. Mm. We'll put the edge back to where it needs to be, sh- uh, sharpen them up, make sure everything's spinning true, and then they're, they're good. It's almost impossible to wreck them. Yeah, even the ones that I've, you know, kind of blunted from shooting a rock square or whatever on inadvertently, you just, I can get the point pulled back out enough that it doesn't bother it. Yeah, no, that's what we do. We, and that's what's nice about the standard, the regular Jaggers, is the longer tip section is uh, that gives you room for that. So if they chip or bend a tiny bit mm. on rocks or whatever, we yeah, can reshape that front off. end and bring that okay. draw point back in and it's and centered up and it's good to go. So yeah, I never even thought about that. that makes I only have sense. one. I have one. I'm looking at it right now. It's on my desk. One that I know of that a guy ruined uh, Jagger Broadhead, but he hit the buckle on the um, matrix target. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. ran it through the buckle and it squeezed it because it couldn't make it through the buckle on top and it bent the blades mm. from the squeezing of going through the buckle, the buckle mm-hmm. hole. Cause I, I asked him, I'm like, dude, I go, how'd you do that? Because I've never seen a broadhead that was all squished like that. I go, did you run right. it over with your truck? And he's like, no. Actually, I hit the buckle of <laughs> Matrix. And it squished, you know, it was tried to ram it through there, and it just squished them together. It wouldn't, anyway, so but we couldn't fix that one. Yeah, well, I know they're they're durable as hell, but uh, 
so where, where were we at with your with the origin story? You were you had gone beyond tinkering on trying to yeah set so, up stuff over the years. Yeah, so we went. I went from everything. So we, we thought about heavier arrows. Oh, gr- I read grizzly the stick. Gr- grizzly, yeah, grizzly stick. Grizzly came stick. Out, right. Oh yeah. As soon as he came out, I'm like, oh my god, thank god, somebody's fine. Because I read the Ashby stuff mm-hmm. years years ago. Like, God, it's been like 27 or eight years ago, and it was it was already older at that point. Like, he, I think he did mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff in the 80s. Anyway, but even though I read it and heard about, it, I'm like, yeah, I, I agree that that probably works, but I don't, I, I don't. How am I going to build an arrow yeah. like that? How, how do you do that? I, I can't yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. I said, I can't, I don't have unlimited supply of stuff and sit here and file down broadheads to whatever thing. And then, you know, and using purple heart, uh, shafting. I mean, dude, I don't have that stuff. Right. So, I mean, I was using like 23 17s and mm-hmm. with the tapered adapter, then, uh, aluminum broadhead adapters with the grizzly broadhead yeah, that's with a compound bow too, and then wow. uh, compound bow with no sights. Yeah, well, I put sights on later. Uh, so right. um, with okay, the, gotcha. we went later. I went back to the sights because I was shooting like most of the year. I would shoot recurve for practice, you know, in the mm-hmm. off season, and then you know get your compound ready for hunting. Mm-hmm. But um, but anyway, but there was really no way to build that until Grizzly Stick or Alaska Bow Hunting came out. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, I'll take, you know, I want a dozen broadheads. I don't care how much they are. And I had, at that time, I had the time and the money to test things. Right, right. And that's what I was doing the whole time because I was always putting, you know, sleeve or not sleeves, but inserts, like double inserting in the front end of my aluminum arrows. And then I got carbon arrows. And the original carbon arrows were pretty rough. No, yeah, they were not. They were were not good. Well, then they had the tapered carbon. I remember, um, God, what were they called? Somebody came out with some tapered carbon arrows. Aerodynamics. Aerodynamics, yep. And so I was so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the best. And I got them and I buy a dozen and like three of them would hit where I was, you know, where they're aimed. Then the other (laughs) ones would all be kind of cattywampus. So I had to buy like three dozen of them to get six at the time. man. And I'm like, but I thought it was me. I didn't know. You know, I'm like, these are supposed to be the greatest. And then I busted out a spine tester and they were all like all over the place. I mean, it was crazy how far off they were. Right, and then I, right. then I'm like, Holy cow. That's crazy. Cause I built, I always, I've always built my own arrows from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause I just like doing, I built my own fishing rods. I mean, you know, wrap my own rods, you know, that kind of thing, build my own spinners mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, then I put them on the grain scale and they were off by, I mean, it was like 50 grains. I mean, variance. And I was like, well, shit, no wonder why I'm having trouble hitting the damn target. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> These arrows are like shooting, you know, they're, they're pretty bad. So, um, but anyway, but I was always tinkering like that. You know, it's just, I've always been, I like doing the crafting. I like the process of making my own stuff, tying your own flies, you know, stuff like that. And, um, and making my own arrows. I've always done it, but, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but at that point I was always looking to build an arrow because I had a lot of really bad experiences to where you make a pretty good shot. Yeah. I mean, I sh- once I shot an L quartering away at 12 yards in the elbow 
So you missed, I missed by my aiming spot by two inches, hit the elbow, arrow doesn't go in, bull runs off. I mean, mm-hmm. I was like, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's, I need something that's, that's going to go in there. frustrating. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. It's happened like five times. Um, <laughs> so on the, Luckily, on the front when end, I shot my bull in the elbow, it just went through. So. Well, with it, with this stuff, it goes through. So, but I mean, that's what I was like. I just need something to get in there because you shouldn't be. If you make a pretty good shot, you should, you know, and it's better for the animal. It's better for the hunter. I mean, you know, that's kind of my thing because I was like, if you're not shooting a good arrow, I mean, how many elk are you? Is everybody wounding? You know, with crappy oh, broadheads yeah. and yeah, crappy yeah. things. Because I mean, I did it. You know, and I'm like, we can't, I can't continue on with this. Plus it means a ton to me to, you know, I mean, I spend all year prepping for elk season, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it was important to me to have something good. The grizzly stick stuff was awesome. Alaska bow hunting. Um, but it was just, and I did the whole full Ashby for a few years mm-hmm. and it worked. I mean, it, I've got an elk and a pig that, there's no way I would have got him with anything else without the full blown, like the full Ashby setup, you know, the 650 grains, weight mm-hmm. forward, structural integrity, three to one, two blade. I uh, shot an elk, cor- severe cording away through the ham and pelvic bone and killed her. And same thing on a hog. I shot about a 200 pound hog, went through the ham and pelvic, dislocated the leg and, and got it. both of them. You know, with my previous setups, there's no way I would have got them. But you know, my arrow was flying so slow. It really limited my range. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started going, I need something that works like that. But I could, you know, have more arrow speed. We need to shoot a little further. And then, sure. you know, yeah. especially with the compound bows and range and stuff. And if you want to shoot 3Ds, I mean, I didn't even think about shooting a 3D with that. Because <laughs> it was sure. like right. lob and log. I call it lob and logs. And there's, and you logs. know, I tell guys, I like it that. works. Lob and logs kill stuff. But it kind of limits you um, on range. It certainly can. Yeah, you have to you have to yeah. know the limits of your equipment if you're doing that. Yeah, and if a guy's going to go hunting and spend thousands of dollars on some hunt or get drawn for a certain hunt, and he has you know he lives in New York or something, he's going to go hunting in Montana. You but you need the greatest chance, you know, opportunity you can get. So you still need to be able mm-hmm. to shoot them at just about, or if anything bad happens, but you need to get range. And that's where we came up with that arrow in the upper 400s to 500, you know, low 500s right there with most modern compound bows, 70 pound bow. Yeah. That's a, just a killer setup and, you know, 18 yeah. to 20% FOC. Yeah, and, and so, for for an for an average guy, put shooting you know an, an, a semi average bow that's putting them at two seventy, two seventy five, yeah. two eighty, depending depending on the bow, I guess. Depending on the bow, uh, we and, try to hit and, right and around two yeah. two seventy because uh, I mentioned this several times. It just we didn't even use a chronograph in the beginning for like the first sure. year. We right. just would have guys walk back and shoot and shoot and shoot and then walk back to like 70, 80 yards to get a nice smooth arc. And then we'd add more head weight. All the setups were obviously at that at back then we were really pushing the 20% threshold. So they're at 19 or 20%. But then all of a sudden you hit a point, a threshold where those arrows after about 50 yards would drop like a rock. 
and nobody right. liked that. They're like, oh, dude, ooh, whoa, you know. And I'm like, okay, okay, just back it up. Yeah. And so it all we started seeing a pattern over and over. It was like with most guys, you know, with a 28 inch draw, it was around 270, 270 or 470, 475 grains. Longer mm-hmm. draws could get away with something closer to 500 or heavier bows, you know. Yeah, because it's a longer power stroke. Um, um, so I've got an 80 pound bow on the way and I'm so, so excited for it. Oh, that uh, long draws and heavy bows are a blessing because you don't have to <laughs> try to manipulate the system to, to get where you need to be. Mm-hmm, but, um, mm-hmm. but that's why I tell guys all the time, you know, if you're, if you're shooting a 55 pound, we don't get a lot of that on the West coast, but there's a lot of guys back East mm-hmm. that are shooting 55, 60 pound compounds. And so that's, you have to work with that. So you're yeah, going to need yeah. to get to that threshold. If you want to come out West and shoot, you know, the high country or whatever, you get that 270 range, you're going to be down the 430s to 450s. So if you're going to be that low, Got that's where you need to maximize yep. your broadhead selection. So you need penetration for heavy bone. I mean, all the stuff mm-hmm. works on soft tissue. Mm-hmm. But so that's where the Jagger broadhead really can help you, especially for the yeah. lighter and yeah, women and ki- and younger, you know, kids and stuff. The Jagger broadhead with its uh, hide breach, I call it the hide breach threshold, is so mm-hmm. low and soft tissue. It's so low that when you if you do hit heavy bone, you're getting the full impact of the arrow. It's almost like you're shooting at bare bones. Because you're not right. really get the soft tissue doesn't even stop it out. it doesn't slow it down you don't burn up any energy getting in the door yeah yeah so that's what we designed in that broadhead and that's why the tip is shaped like it is um, a lot of guys look at that tip and go oh that's just going to bend or break well we started shaping that tip it's it's noticeable if you look closer everyone thinks it's straight in but it also it has a drop point to it it has a little shoulder to it mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we shaped that. So we started shooting elk uh, scapulas with a straight and then started shaping it down until we got no bending or breaking on green elk bones. Hmm. And we left it there because we want that thing to be as sharp and pointy as possible. I mean, it's hurt quite a few people (laughs) because they're really pointy, (laughs) but that gets you in the door so that if you do hit heavy bone, then -hmm. you have the full momentum of time of impulse almost like you're not you're not slowing anything down when you're using the the pencil what we call them pencil points or the you know pyramid tip style three blades man you can't, i like pencil point to, i'm really glad you said that because on our website i think i have a question mark next to your point type or maybe i put needle point but i like pencil point a lot more if that makes a lot of sense well the round tips or you know this if someone has that steep angle up there they have the if you can't push, you could go walk up to an elk with our Jagger broadhead and an arrow and just stick an arrow all the way through it. You can just push it right yeah. through. Yeah. And you can't, if you take any of the store-bought broadheads and go up there and stick it, push it on an elk, you can't, you, you can't, probably snap you your arrow that. in half trying to get it through the, just through the hide. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that is wasted energy. So just so, to try to breach the hide, but that's when you see the big holes. I have to say mm-hmm. this because this is my but this is what people need to think about when you have even if you have an inch and a half cutting diameter and you get a three inch hole, you just wasted most of your energy 
stretching that skin, trying to punch through it until the skin popped. That's what you see when you see a lot of the um, broadheads with, you know, if they're cutting down with two inches, even on an expandable. Right, right. And these guys have a three and a half inch gash, you know, and they hit it broadside. I'm like, okay, well, that broadhead probably ate up almost all of its energy pushing on that skin into the animal, stretching the skin, eating up all your momentum until the skin went poop and popped. Yep. And so you get that stretched skin will create a bigger hole because it finally popped, you know, got through there. Yep. Yep. And then, we, then, then if you hit a bone, you got nothing left. <laughs> yeah. Then yeah. it goes tank right in the bone, and that's it. You're all already drained. Yeah. So I, I, I want to circle back around to the broadhead to to the broadhead design uh, and and everything that happened there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you the way you reference your uh, your system. Uh, I, I believe I don't. I've, I've had the website on another tag on another tab. Uh, I think you you call it a broadhead delivery system because it's it's yes. way more than just a broadhead, and it's way more than just some arrows. You have something going on at the front there that no one else does. Um, <coughs> they try to do it. That. I'll, yeah, they, I'll, I'll they edit that make, part out. Yeah, so I mean, they make. Everyone wants to do, they're doing what the center pin system does. And that's how, once we had the broadhead design, Mm -hmm. I had to figure out a way, and we knew the weight forward was the way to go. By hands down, period, not even questionable. (laughs) Because with tighter groups, deeper penetration, and and we based a lot of it off of Ashby. As soon as I tried it, I was like, oh my God, this stuff's amazing. It right. works. There's no, there's absolutely no question that at the post bone breach penetration is way better. That with a higher, with you, once you hit that threshold to eighteen to twenty percent or higher. Yep. Yep. You, it's just it's night and day. But when you notice the flight of the arrow, it's night and day also. Oh Even yeah. in crosswinds or advantages. any, uh, several advantages. Crosswind. We almost never aim off. Um, even as long at long as you, range, as long as you build it right. Yeah, well, so you have you know, moderate weight, and that's another thing about that moderate weight and arrow speed, because the longer your arrows in the air at long range, a lot of more stuff goes on. You yeah, leave yourself be susceptible to more gusty winds. Yeah, for sure. More winds, uh, more animal. It's all kinds of stuff that can happen. But anyway, but so we had to build the high FOC, but then and we knew after I, we mentioned earlier, I shot the victory VAP when they were new and I trot mm-hmm. them for the first time. And I was like, Oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. But the connection system they had back then, and they've improved it slightly since then was not very good. <laughs> so oh, their, their outsert put, system, their any Audi, they called it the penetrator right. or something. Oh, and it was oh, just, oh, yeah. It it's does the bad. opposite of that. And I'll tell you yeah. what, 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 <laughs> how I noticed it from the beginning, because I was just using the aluminum one, which is probably mm-hmm. super soft, cheap to make aluminum. Oh yeah. It's uh, junk, I'm sure. I was shooting a foam target. And then, so I, so I made it half dozen or something. I'm shooting. My groups are tight. I'm shooting far. I'm like, Oh my God, this is a great. I mean, I, I'm like, Holy smoke. So after about a half an hour, my groups start spreading out and I'm like barely hitting the target. I'm like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> And I'm like, well, maybe I'm getting tired or whatever. And I just so happened, I went in the garage and I 
just was checking it out. I was admiring the arrows because they were shooting so good, and I just got tired and fatigued. Well, then I put it on an arrow spinner, and the head's flopping around like a fish. Uh-huh. And I was like, what the hell? You were, <laughs> it's like, you were not the first it. person we've heard say this. I, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like, so I'm like, whoa, that head's really – and they spun true when I put them on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? So I grabbed the head with my fingers, and I straightened it out. And I'm like, oh my, I'm like, what the, <laughs> we can't shoot that at an animal. I mean, you could bend right. it with your fingers. Who's got, I mean, that's, that's, it was pretty bad. So I bought the stainless steel ones and, um, same thing. You, they probably use crappy steel at the time. Yeah. And, um, even, you know, there's all different grades of stainless steel and they bent too. Oh, you could, I could tons, bend yeah. them back with my fingers. And so I realized, mm. but I knew that that micro diameter platform, the lightweight, light to midweight micro diameter platform, mm-hmm. could give us. That was the delivery system for the broadhead. Mm. That absolutely. I mean, there's without no doubt whatsoever. So I'm like, I need to get this arrow. I need to get. I need to have this head engaged in that arrow with a, and fortify that front end so we don't have any bending or breaking because without. With bending, you know, as soon as anything gives up front, you're, you're toast. Yeah, yeah. Structural so, integrity is number one. Structural it, integrity. It all has to work. Yeah, and especially with micros, as, as you are alluding to, that that was the issue. The penetration benefits for micros are incredible, but the durability issues with the available components, and, and, and frankly, you can be nice about it, but I won't be. The components that ship with most micro diameter arrows from a major manufacturer aren't good. Uh, I don't I, care who, you know, that, who it is that they're just, that is one of the reasons why we designed the center pin system. But I will say that's was another one of my pet peeves. And I even told the guys that even at gold tip, I'd argue with those guys all the time. Cause back then I was shooting uh, before the micros, I was shooting gold tip hunters mm-hmm. and I was doing some testing. I was testing our J- Jagger used to be called the green mini. Mm-hmm. And I was testing with gold tip and I built some uh, special extra long inserts and sleeves over the outside and I was mm-hmm. shooting this stuff and I would talk to the guys at gold tip. I'm like, I'm like, dude, yeah. Uh, Cause their, their stuff was junk. Even their accu tough or whatever they call that stuff. I'm like that stuff's no good. And I talked to yeah, some of the guys yeah. they're like, Oh yes, it is. We test it all the time. I go, I go, you can't possibly be testing it all the time. Cause I shoot it out here into my steel plates and stuff and they're not tough at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're not, they're terrible. And they're like, no, we do that. We shoot concrete blocks and cinder blocks. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. But I said, you guys spend so much time on research and development to build a killer tough shaft. And then you put total garbage in the bag that comes with it. Yeah. They, yeah. Didn't, they didn't like that. I said, well, because I was frustrated. I'm like, dude, I can't promote this stuff or sell it. I mean, I had a little garage shop at the time. I sure. said, I can't do that. I said, I'm trying to test my broadhead. I cannot even test my broadhead with your components. Hmm. And uh, but they've made a lot of changes since then. And a lot of they're starting to use better aluminum and stuff like that. More guys sure. are making steel components, but the um, anyway, that's how we started. We started with the gold tip hunter. It was cheap and tough, and we built components for that to test the broadhead. And then from there, mm-hmm. to get to the platform we would want to be with the weight forward and moderate weight, we went to Easton. So Axis style, 
mm-hmm. 204 inside diameter. So you, so you started at a 245 and then you switched to a 204 and then and 204 and then once yeah then we went back well because I there's a lot of steps involved but sure yeah uh, yeah oh I bet <laughs> so the first gen was all we built like two and a half inch long uh, inserts for the gold tip hunters which they mm-hmm. have now they they had I mean, those weird gold tips very strange that way um, every time I design something like a year within six months to a year they come out with it it's pretty crazy. No, but, weird, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true because they came out with a long insert with a long aluminum one, about two and a half inch one from the Byron Ferguson had some arrows that they made longer inserts with. I forget they were called, but anyway, um, and then the sleeve over the top. I mean, that was a pretty much indestructible arrow, and because uh, you know we're running these broadheads and all kinds of stuff, and then we went to the yeah. Eastern Axis with the hidden insert with a sleeve over it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was like a step up and we got lower profile, skinnier shaft. The FOC was at 20 to 22%. And we're like, okay, that's better. You know, and then all of a sudden, once the we revisited the VAT micro and then I built mm-hmm. up a high FOC arrow because I started going this FOC thing. I think there's something to it, you know, because when I first read Ashby about Ashby and the, the FOC, he was just like touching on it. I think he got sick or something because he kind of touched yeah, well, on the, the high well, FOC yeah, well, thing. It's like, well, hey, there might be something to this. And then it yeah, stopped for well, a while. Well, in, initially, yeah. Well, he didn't think he didn't think that it was a big thing at the beginning. He just thought it was all mass related. And then yeah. he like circled back around to it and was like, oh, wow. Well, that's this what he said. Really I remember important. saying, I may rethink my buffalo arrows because with this FOC, he's like, holy crap, we're really getting some kill, some really good results. Because I bet yeah. he's still like 850 or something. He's like, Shh. I mean, with a 30% FOC, you could probably use a 650 arrow. Yeah. And, uh, which, yes, you can. But um, in my opinion, with the proper setup. But um, I got to keep my well, that Well, that's – well, that, well, well, no, that's fine. I do. Uh, you, you don't have to – or we're all over the place here, but that, that was his results. The results were the 30%, F, uh, 30% 650 were out penetrating the 800 and some change. Uh, I think yeah. there were 19%. And there uh, is, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm probably going to get a lot of flack, but I can tell you from my personal experience shooting stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's not as much. I mean, Ashby did all the work. I mean, he, there's nobody, you can't argue with his results. Because no one has shot that many animals and documented it, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you can't. It's always not scientific. I don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter. It was. It was. It he was has a result, general result based testing. Result based testing. So after that many animals and that many results, <clears throat> you get an idea of what works <clears throat> and what works better than other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you from my and so circling back to me and developing archery stuff I had the time and money I tried everything I've thrown away garbage cans full of arrows that I just wow. you know we try them they're no good whatever or give them away to clubs I give a lot right. away to the local club um, but just trying stuff I used to just blow through all the archery magazines trying to you know hungry for knowledge mm-hmm. and you don't there's really not a lot in there and it's all, and it's a lot of it's pretty biased. It's hard to, to know, oh, but now with the podcast, biased, and everything, yeah. with yeah. the podcast, well, it's based on the archery industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. So, but 
with the podcast and everything, we're getting a lot better information out there. Because Ashby, you know, that he did that stuff, a lot of that stuff back in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, back yeah. in eighty, like eighty seven. Like it's been yeah. out there for forty years or whatever. Yeah. And no yeah. one's, and it's just now catching on. It's ridiculous. Yep. And uh, that's my opinion anyway, because that's what I was saying back then, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I'm like, I can't believe no one's doing it. But then, uh, so, but where are we so at? You circle, so you circle back around to the VAPs. Yeah, to the VAPs. And then that's when we knew we had to figure out a way to get the broadhead. And at that time, I was just, we had the, just the standard screw in the blood. We call them the blood eagles now. They just have mm-hmm, the standard mm-hmm. converter point threads, which was always, I always thought that was a weak point. Um, it yeah. is a weak point, no matter what, no matter even what you build it, them out of. Because it's only it, about, yeah, it, you know, the, the tolerances are terrible. Your head comes loose all the time. I mean, I, anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Fred Bear designed it. It was fantastic at the time because they didn't, yeah. you know, for replaceable heads, it was great. Yeah. Well, that's one thing I'll definitely say about your Jagger broadheads is when you screw those on, those puppies don't come loose or, or for, for not just the broadheads, the field tips too, uh, yeah. with, with well, whatever threading style you use on those. And, and I just want to clarify for, for people that may not know. So the, the, the only difference at, well, and, and maybe, maybe we can clarify this too. The main difference between the Jaggers and the blood Eagles are the Jaggers work for, with the center pin design, uh, work with the center pin system that you designed and the Blood Eagles are the uh, regular Stan- threaded threaded version for standard screw, uh, and they work with all else. standard. Yeah, right, Blood Eagles right. work with standard components. The mm-hmm. Jaggers utilize center pin sleeves on micro diameter shafting. Gotcha, and that's we gotcha. don't even sell components for other shafting, but micro diameter. Right, right. Well, I, I I think your micro diameter system is is far and away the best thing that I've seen so far. Um, is there is there a steel difference between the Jagger and the Blood Eagle, or are they the same thing? So the Blood Eagles will use the 41L40. Okay, great so steel, like, incredible steel. It, it's really, yeah, high carbon tool steel. It's like 40 or 54 to 56, maybe 57 Rockwell. It depends mm-hmm. on how they come out, but they're somewhere sure. between there. Um, yeah. and then, in the working range, it's the important In part. the working range, the heavy-duty Jaggers from 250 and up, are the same steel because they have thicker blades. So we don't need the fancy stuff. And then on the titanium series, um, within the vented models in the Jagger line, they're Mm -hmm. all S seven. So they're up around 60, 61, anywhere 59 to 61. Rockwell. Man, S seven, you know, my difficulty with sharpening them. Oh yeah. We can't (laughs) hand sharpening. I tell guys all the time, the hand sharpening is, um, the last resort. so yeah, Garrett's one yeah. eighties are are S seven then? All that, yeah, all the titaniums will be S seven. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So and they're not right. titanium so, broadheads. They're titanium it's the pins. pins. Just the, it's just yeah. the center. How are those yeah. are those like is it a weld sort of bond or how are those? Oh they're how's the chemical, pin put in chemical, there? chemical bond, I would guess. It's a the, press fit chemical bond. Okay. So they're press fit. So um See, yeah, I've never had one come loose i told you a while ago that i broke one off in a tree because i didn't I did, uh, take it I, out right but <laughs> yeah so i did that too, a souvenir. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right no, so they, i i just i wanted to cover that real quick for because a lot of people don't that they, they they're like oh I, I can only get the like i don't want to invest a whole system into trying out those broadheads well you can try the broadheads with the regular screw and adapters so 
Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to yeah. cover that real quick. So yeah, the blood eagles are for guys that want to use different arrows or standard components sure. or sure. standard aftermarket components. But then, for right. the, but the, right. for, I tell guys all the time for the micro diameter stuff, the center pin system is really the only way to go. Yep. I so, would agree. And I would agree. the other thing about the high FOC that guys don't think about, there's a, well, there's all kinds of benefits to a high weight forward arrow moderate weight weight forward arrow that most mm-hmm. people don't even think about so if you're going to talk about component structural integrity up front if you have a 10 or 12 grades per inch arrow mm-hmm. pile driving the crap out of your components with your 100 grain broadhead or your 150 grain broadhead and you glance off mm-hmm. a bone that all that it's you have it's almost like a telephone pole behind it trying to destroy all your components. If all your yeah. weight and integrity is up front and you have a light shaft behind, the, the weight of the head and components up front is what's hammering the bone. Even if it gets knocked off course, the shaft's just dragging right. behind. So right. you don't have that this rear steering mechanism back here trying to bend and break your components on a heavy impact. Right. So that's one of the main issues that why people like and components will break with heavy shafting because you have all that stuff way back there coming. It's like a yeah. train derailment, you know, it's kind yep. of the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's what, and we, we've gotten messages and emails with, with that exact thing. They're like, Hey, like I built, I built a really heavy arrow and I was shooting this broadhead and it's, you know, normally uh, uh, store bought. I mean, most of the time it's mechanical, but sometimes it has been a, a fixed blade and they're like, and like, it like everything worked great like like but the the well it worked great up until the broadhead just got absolutely crushed by the rest of the arrow pushing up yeah. on it I'm like well yeah that's what that's what happens that's if the so components you, you, don't fail but most of the yeah, store-bought yeah, components yeah. fail way before that they will they certainly will yeah yeah we've but, seen but i mean you, even you, seen a couple guys that'll you know build a hit like build a well-built arrow good components all that and then they'll put it on they'll put a you know hundred grain something or other aluminum ferruled thing and then it hits something hard and just <laughs> folds like a taco it's like well, have, yeah. yeah what'd you expect i have yeah. no i so ashby had a great point um i know i know it's not an ashby show but that's well, why I, mean, I, I tell are, guys all we the are time, the official podcast partner well, of the ashby Bowhunter well there you go so. <laughs> you have to start with a broadhead you have yeah. to have a broadhead that's not that could you know give you success in the highest percentages of situations. It's just like fishing. You, uh, if a guy is a serious fisherman, use the best hooks they could possibly use. So right. they cost a little more. It doesn't matter. If your hook fails, yeah. all, nothing else matters. Yeah, it <laughs> so, doesn't matter. So you start with the broadhead, and that's what we did at Valkyrie. We started with the broadhead. Originally, I had no idea about an arrow system. I just wanted a better broadhead that wouldn't bend or break on – heavy bone impacts i used like i did <laughs> mm-hmm. use swickies for a while and mm-hmm. you know anyway but so you start with the broadhead and then i had to figure out a way to deliver that broadhead and it actually says yeah. the same stuff we need a delivery yeah. system behind it to maximize its potential and by potential i look at it as accuracy and lethality mm-hmm. in the widest variety of circumstances so and that's where Going with the full Ashby, well, I call it, I call it the full Ashby. It's like the full Monty. Um, you know, <laughs> going with the full weight system, you're limited 
in my opinion. Your limits, your range, totally works. There's no substitute for mass. But we try to do other things to make up for the lack of mass by reducing right. friction and drag throughout our entire setup and yeah, while maintaining yeah. structural integrity. Yeah. So, well, and, and that's so that I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because if you want to maximize it, a micro is your best option uh, and you have to maintain structural integrity, which like we touched on before is something that micros with stock components generally don't have. You have, you don't have any, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I was being a little generous, but yeah. Uh, But your center pin system is just a completely different ball game. So try, uh, try and explain it. Well, well explain what the center pin system is and uh, for those listening, Brenton just put up, how many videos do you have up now? Two, three, oh, or four? Got a handful. Uh, There's three intro videos, so they're all okay. not too long. It's seven minutes, three yep. minutes, and eight minutes. So. Yeah. Your videos but, are great, by the way. They're they're very, very good. And if somebody is listening and they're like, they may be confused on what Brenton is about to say, go check out those videos. It'll it'll give you your, your visual representation of that. The part yeah, talk, two about, has, talk about the center pin system a little bit. So the so the center pin system was designed because we had to figure out a solution on how to mm-hmm. screw in the Jagger broadhead to micro diameter shafting. Right. Yeah, we tried everything that's already out there on the market. We tried before it's even on the market. We put pin. Mm-hmm. You know, we glued in pins, then glue on outsert over the top. So it's just because we you know we didn't even think about changing the little short little converter point system that Fred bear designed. Right. Um, we didn't even think about changing that. I was like, I need to screw this into the shaft somehow and gluing in pins, outserts, big sleeves. It didn't work. I mean, it was there, but we're still trying to, it, it was all just kind of like a hodgepodge of making, I don't know. It was just kind of like, Jerry rigging everything. And I'm like, I right. how are we going to do it? And then I noticed that some of the target tips were glue in, but I know, and Dan Evans did some glue in on that ATAC broadhead. And, mm-hmm. um, but he sold like one pack because <laughs> 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 nobody wants glue in. Yeah, Cause I talked to him about it and I'm like, really? That's it. And he goes, yeah, nobody wants glue in. And I'm like, well, sh- I don't want glue in either. I want to screw them on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about that with the pin and everything. Then I was like, and, you know, we needed some structural integrity up front because you're not, you don't have a lot to work with, with the microcarbon no, in the lightweight don't. range, you know, that yeah. that's like the day six stuff. I mean, and those heavier deep, uh, the deep impact from Black Eagle, mm-hmm. thicker walled, but super heavy to build a high FOC yeah. or I wouldn't even call it yeah. high FOC, but build a weight forward platform. You're going to be it's, at like 600 grains. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to build a, a high FOC setup with, with setups like that. Man. But if well, you want, it's difficult s- to build EFOC, not high FOC. Cause high yeah, starts at yeah, what? Like t- 12% or something. Yeah. High technically 12 to 19. starts at 12. EFOC technically starts at 19. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, mm. to break that EFOC barrier, uh, it's, it, it is tough on, on systems like that. Well, you could do it, but it's just, your arrow's too heavy. It gets too heavy. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, too heavy for for what most guys want to shoot for sure. Yeah. So, but with the uh, yeah that those thick walled shafts with the center pin system are pretty much indestructible. Oh yeah. So yeah. I mean, well, that well that's what Garrett runs. Garrett runs the uh, what are they? Deep impacts. The, right, yeah, I had the deep impacts this year. Uh, the deep I impact with can, the one eighty short jag on the front. 
Yeah, it was. It's you, pretty bomb proof. You can shoot tanks with that. You can shoot cars. Yeah, well, I shot a. So, like, you've shot plenty of trees in your day, I'm sure. Uh, I shot. I missed a bull opening morning. He ducked my arrow, but uh, I buried it into a fir tree. I think, like, past you know, past the blades, like to the. I buried the broadhead to the the outsert. And yeah. the arrow was completely fine. Like I just had to take like a half hour to dig the damn broadhead out of the tree. I but know, that's it, yeah. everything was like, you know, normally the knock will blow out or whatever, but it just hit it solid and it was perfectly fine. I'm like, well, that sucks, yeah. but I guess everything's fine. Yeah, it's good to go. Yeah. Spe- so, well, speaking of arrows, I don't know if you've kept, if how, how much you keep tabs on current micro options. But the new uh, Victory Vap SS, the new stainless steel version, it's kind of like their extortion in a micro diameter. Looks yeah. awfully neat. It's uh, if it's you not like super heavy, heavy. It's, Man, it's, not not heavy. Su- it's not super. It's not super heavy. It's like nine point five GPI for a two fifty, which is what most of us compound guys shoot. It so is. I, I thought it was little, heavier. Than I think that. it's a little heavier than that. Yeah, because that's not. that's what the regular Vap weighs. Let's take it's, a look. Vap's nine point six. Yeah, I think 10, it's 8. ten. Ten eight yeah, so for a two fifty, which isn't horrible. Yeah, but you're dumping oh, like 10, forty. Oh. You're dumping almost forty grains on the back end to get the tough yeah. to get the toughness. <laughs> now that's what that's kind of where I'd rather oh, save the forty grains and, of, yeah. and put it up front. Yeah, you're it's just you're probably just bumping up like thirty or forty grains to get the yeah, toughness. Yeah. So, but you're sacrificing that FOC. Yeah. Yeah. So, which I'm not for hunting. I'd rather not because you don't sure. get a whole lot of shots this year. I mean, each yeah. year. So, but that's what, and that's what, that's kind of our platform is getting, giving you the best chance of, of a lethal hit in the widest variety of circumstances for the modern compound guy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's what that's what we build. And so we want to maximize the FOC while maintaining that speed around 270. And obviously to do that, you know, depends on what your draw weight and length is. But um, unless you're right. super light on draw, like the, with the women and stuff doing 45 pounds, we always run, we still run like a 500 grain arrow. Mm-hmm. So, and they could, and with that setup, with our setup, they can still pretty much, I mean, we have just, they could blow through moose, no problem. Oh yeah. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's one thing a lot, that a lot, a lot of people, people don't, they don't think about it that way. Is that like, you know, for a trad setup, they, you know, you build heavy cause you're not working with a lot, but then all of a sudden you get to like a woman, a woman shooting a compound and that thought process goes out the window and I don't understand yeah. why. Yeah. I know. Well, like, oh, my wife shoots 45 pounds. And so we need like a, you know, some arrow, like a 375 grain arrow. And I'm like, no, like, no, just don't <laughs> let her shoot. Just don't Most let her shoot the, very far. Well, so yeah. But if she does, Lim- keeps her arrow weight around 500 grains with the high FOC with a full length Jagger, she can almost shoot anything. You can shoot anything in North America. Oh yeah. Cause that but has like, so much know. more energy than, than the traditional stuff. Yeah. yeah, you know what like I mean, a, though? Like, people are always worried, like, well, I have to shoot real far. I have to shoot real far. It's like, well, you don't have to. No, like, sometimes but for 3Ds West, and yeah, you stuff, do, it's but, more fun for yeah, them yeah, on a 3D course. Right. We're not shooting but paper. I'd, and that's one thing I wanted to get clear, too, was target archery, we build arrows t- to kill stuff. 
<laughs> so yeah. in, in outdoor hunting conditions, which are most of the time not good. Right. So we're not talking about shooting paper uh, in, uh, on a summer day on a flat archery range. So right. that's where we want the forgiveness and stability and penetration value of the high FOC moderate weight arrows. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you got, I mean, you're the Ashby's doing, he does the same. I mean, it's the same kind of deal yeah, where we yeah. build stuff to kill stuff. Cause we're not out there. We don't want to wound stuff or have, you know, errant arrow flight. Cause you know, my fingers were numb. Right. Right. So, so, so let's circle back to, so now that we kind of have a, a good grasp on the, on the center pin. So the center pin sits inside of these broadheads inside of the Jagger broadheads. So the center uh, pin heads. So you, the center pin sleeve is like an outs. Mm-hmm. It's like a small outsert. It's only about an inch right. long. It glues over the outside of the micro diameter shaft permanently. And right. then all this, the, so those require center pin heads and all the center pin heads have the pin built into the heads. So mm-hmm. the pins come with like a two and a half inch pin instead of just your standard little screw in threads. They have mm-hmm. a two and a half inch pin that slides down inside the shaft and the mm-hmm. threads are right behind the head. So the outsert threads are right on the end so that yeah. it just screws right in, locks into place. It's super strong. It's super true, but. And it runs. Yeah, the, the, the threading that you use makes. Yeah, the threading that you use makes it like it's a it's a very fine thread. So unless it's unless it's all square, uh, it, it ain't it ain't gonna go. So it, it has to be it has to be square. We uh, use makes it very easy to build. Yeah, you know, build them so they spin true. At least for me, yeah, a lot easier oh, than anything sure. else. Because when I put for mine sure. on, like you know, I'll square everything square when I start, but I'll screw a field point into the outsert and that's how I apply it. Cause I'll just spin it as yep. I, you know, I'll put the epoxy on, spin it and make sure it's spinning true. And then it's good. Yeah. Then it locks with, it, the pin and the pin and everything. I'll just lock it right in there and you're good to go. Yeah. So, yep. and it, and it does, it aligns it with the axis of the shaft. I mean, the pin mm-hmm. just yeah. running straight down the middle, super yep. easy. And then it's super strong. So when you, most of the outserts, standard outserts on micros break right behind the sleeve or the outsert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But with ours, the pin goes past the outsert. The pin goes like another half inch deeper, and it has rubber bushings to cushion the shock. Right. So um, we we put a lot of thought into it because we didn't want any failure, you know, on impact right. with bone, not with rocks or concrete or pipe or anything like that. We stopped because right. we, we had to weigh strength. We could build it so they would never blow up on anything. But then we're talking. Then you're talking. We got to use a lot more material, make it a lot more he- a lot heavier. But mm-hmm. we wanted this to have zero. Our goal was zero impact failure on game bones or game animals. Right. So that's where we stopped at the design of the tip. That's where we stopped with the design of the ferrule, the length of the center pin and the sleeve, so that we built it so it was strong enough not to bend or break on impact with game bones. Mm-hmm. We stopped it there so we could maintain the the weight uh, as light as possible so we can keep the speeds up for the modern compound guy. And then um, – and that's where it's at. Usually if you do miss a target or something or shoot through an animal and hit rocks, the arrows usually break somewhere towards the middle of the shaft. And most of the right. time, all your components and heads are still good. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's uh, uh, that's that's important. We we talked before we pressed record on 
how so many guys get hung up on on price of like quality equipment they don't understand how it's you know it's the, the, things like this are are most definitely a buy once cry once kind of thing you know yeah. it, it may cost a little bit more up front but the value that you get out of it even after just uh, two or three years is immensely better than going out and buying junk stuff essentially yeah. every every 12 months yeah, that's what before i designed the broadheads i would spend i was i used to use g5 the montec mm-hmm. i would buy four to six packs every year every fall yeah. Yeah. So, and you look, so what's that? A 40 or 50 bucks a piece. That's like two, yeah. 200, 250 bucks every year. <laughs> so I'm like, and so I was like, you know what? And it one shot in there and you're done, whether you got them or not. Yeah. Even if you had a good pass through shot, the tip was usually chipped or something, something was up. So you had to get, <clears throat> replace it. So on these, I wanted something that was reusable, resharpenable, <clears throat> and would last a long time. And that's what, that's what you get. I've got one I've shot, I think four animals with one broadhead and I could have shot more, but I was testing out different heads and weights and stuff. I think I, I got four with one before I lost it and then I shot at something and sent it into a Canyon. So it's long. (laughs) Well, that's pretty awesome. I mean, how many broadheads can you say you shot four animals with? So not many people can say that. No. I mean, if you're buying it, if you're buying store bought, that's four different broadheads almost every time. Yeah, yeah. So I've got I've so, got my one that I shot my elk with last year. So that one it's marked, so I can try to keep killing stuff with it. That's why I, I know. Yeah. That's why I like to hear on guys all the time. Like, if you still have it, I mean, shoot another one. If you need me to, if you hit rocks on the pass through, just send it in. I'll tune it back up so you can shoot another one. Yeah. So and we'll so do it. So on the I back like end, on on the back end of these center pins, uh, uh, you have it's like a little like rubber. Uh, I don't know if grommet is the right word, but an yeah, O-ring. Double, um, it's double O-ringed, yeah. Yeah. And, and explain, I know you've explained it before. I've, I've heard you uh, uh, talk about it, but explain what the benefit of that is. So the double O-ring does two things. It's on the pin that's about two and a half inches down inside your shaft. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we originally designed it for, well, for two reasons. One is anti-vibration, so your heads don't come loose. That's one of the reasons why we have the micro-threading. The super mm-hmm. fine threads because um, <clears throat> we don't want the heads coming loose, especially what happened to me on various times on stalking deer on the West. You sneak in, get your knock an arrow, get ready to shoot. They move, you put it back in your quiver. And after about eight hours of this, your heads eventually some, well, at least mine did eventually sc- come loose Yeah, yeah with the standard loose, yeah. threads. So <clears throat> when you're not thinking about it, cause you usually, thinking about other stuff anyway so i wanted heads that wouldn't come unscrewed or loosen and even with with the center pin system if the heads do loosen slightly they're Mm -hmm. still going to spin true right so because the pin's working down in there and that's so but that those rubber o-rings act as a vibration dampener so they don't come loose and they kind of hold it in place the threads and also we reduce the diameter of the pin and the tail, the little tail piece that holds the um, O-rings. We reduce that dia- mm-hmm. inside diameter so that if you do glance off a heavy bone or something like that, that shock, when it tries to snap your – it's going to tr- try to snap your arrow right behind the sleeve, but it, it won't be able to because the pin's down inside and goes about a half an inch deeper. So it's going to mm-hmm. transfer that energy even further away from the head 
to get to the rubber O-rings. The rubber O-rings are going to cushion that shock and dampen the blow and transfer that energy back further. That's why most of the arrows usually break between 8 inches and about midpoint of the arrow back behind the arrow if you do glance off a of rocks or pipe or something. Right, so, right. But on a green, on an elk or moose or deer or whatever you're shooting, it's, it will not break um, going through one of those things. It's only on those severe shock impacts of rocks or steel plates or something like that. Yeah. My yeah. bull this year, I hit the elbow bone and then, you know, went through the, hit the elbow bone, went through the lower ribs brisket area and poked out the other side. And then he rolled on it for, you know, until he died. But even, uh, you know, however heavy that elk was rolling on it, still didn't break the components at all. Didn't bend it. Nothing. It was perfectly fine and still sharp actually. Oh, there you go. So yeah, as long as you wipe, and I tell guys all the time, so if, when you get the broadhead out, if you wipe the blood off it, because, you know, they're carbon tool, uh, tool steel, right. so they're going to rust. Yeah. So if you get the blood yeah. off it quick, then you won't have, because if you leave the blood on there for until you get have home. some pit, pitting on it. It's yeah. going to, you have a little bit of pitting, we can buff that out, most of it, but you still, it's hard to get a lot of it out. But if you can wipe the yeah. blood off, they'll be good for a long time. Yep, yep, Keeps absolutely. So, so, so let's, let's talk about the, uh, the design of the Jagger and the Blood Eagle, sha- uh, uh, Jagger and Blood Eagle, air- my God, shafts, arrows, there we go, we're, we're going to get there eventually, broad broadheads, head. yeah, there we go, it's a broadhead, <laughs> sir, I, I'm looking, I'm looking at the, uh, uh, rain shafts right now to kind of, uh, uh, be prepped on that when we get to it, but, uh, uh, I so have a request you- when we get to the Blood Eagle. <laughs> okay, so when uh, um, so you went with the three blade, uh, which uh, I know some Ashby purists are like, no, it's two blade or die, but it's I, not I, a two I, blade, you, but a it's lot, not the normal. He didn't, he never it's tested a, it's this a, broadhead. It's a right, it's a very different three blade in comparison to basically everything else that's out there. It outperforms them all, and I'll tell you, it's not the straight edge three blades. Well, we did this broadhead. The front section of the Jagger broadhead, we try to match the same mechanical advantage as a three-to-one two-blade broadhead. Hmm. That's why it's so steep and long. Right. And then, so, and I did it for about two-thirds of the blade length because even when I was using the Ashby heads from uh, Alaska bow hunting, mm-hmm. even when I shot through the pelvic bones of the elk and the um, pig, the front two-thirds of the blades were always mangled or chipped the back third was always there's no bones left by the time the back third got there because of the twisting and bone splitting mm-hmm. they're always still shaving hair even if they go and pass through or be stuck inside them for you know hmm. for a while right. so only the front two-thirds got damaged with breaching the bone and then by the time it got breached the bone the back third came through and that's kind of that's why we have the two whatever it is a two to one ratio we got the front section the front two-thirds will be the three to one ratio and then mm-hmm. the back thirds usually there's no bone left by that point but this works slightly different with our the way the our three blades work is that they pretty much get in the bone with the three to one mechanical advantage three right. to one two blade mechanical advantage but then once it hits that it flares out with the proper weight arrow and speed and all that stuff, it just explodes the bone. It blows it up. Most guys don't even right. know they hit bone when they hit it because it just dis- it blows it into bits. <laughs> it's pretty, it's a pretty, and 
uh, Dwayne that told me about the design before I even saw it um, was telling me about that. And I didn't believe it until we started testing it. And it's mm-hmm. pretty, it's pretty amazing. It has the same, you know, the twisting motion on the single bevel blows the bones apart, but this actually, right. I mean, sh- I mean, creates shrapnel. I mean, there's just, just bits of bone yeah. everywhere. It's just, bl- it's well, almost like it blows it up. I think yeah, I sent well, you I that. On, I think I sent uh, you that picture of my elbow bone from my bull this year. It was pretty gnarly inside. Yeah, I mean that's it what was, they. Yeah, it was blown apart. I was like, oh, well, that's neat. All right. Blows, well, yeah, it blows it apart almost like a. It, anyway, it's it's pretty impressive, and that's you know when we first designed. Well, when I first saw the broadhead, when Dwayne Jessup from Thunderhorn sent me one or showed me one. I was like, how is that broadhead not on the market? <laughs> I don't understand. It's got every, I mean, it's got just about everything. And if it performs like you say it does, it's crazy. It's got to be out there, you know? So, yeah. Um, so we brought well, it, we modernized it and brought it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, uh, uh, I know, I'm sure you've seen, uh, Chris Dunlap's video that he did with, uh, with yours. Uh, and, and that's quite literal. He shot a cow femur, I believe with it. And that's yeah, literally cow. what happened. Yeah. Like it, it, oh, oh, it was, it was a moo, uh, cow moose. Okay. I got you. And, no, I mean, uh, a, it, a moo, no, moo cow. Uh, oh, moo, moo cow. Moo, moo, yeah, moo cow. Moo, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, um, it, uh, it quite literally exploded. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think when you're getting that, that first, like you said, that first two thirds through, and then that, when that back third comes through, it's just. It it's blew it in half. Down. That was the funny yeah. thing. It was so when he did the te- his first test, he was running the one seventy five to two hundred grain heads. And at that mm-hmm. time, we did not have the two hundred ti. We didn't right. have it. Yeah. So, and so he yeah the two hundred then was still it was vented right. It was vented, but I think he used either used the vented two hundred or the one seventy five. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, but then he did the test, and I'm like, dude. You bought our Ferrari, which was our lightest head at the time, and took mm-hmm. it four wheeling. I said, "If you want to go four wheeling, here, take this two fifty and shoot that thing." And so that's he did, and then he shot it, and it did bend the tip a little bit. But the but moo cow bones are much more dense than game bones. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if we're gonna go moo cow hunting, we just steepen the angle of the tip a little bit more. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. but we wanted to keep it. We wanted to keep that high breach threshold as low as possible. Yeah. So yeah. if you got, if hopefully you guys have a pretty technical audience that doesn't mind oh, all we, getting oh, in, getting oh, in the we weeds. Do. Oh, we do. So, yeah, we're, they're going to be begging for more. I guarantee it. So, well, uh, I mean, that's what we do. I mean, we can go as deep as you want. I mean, I honestly can tell you, cause this is all I've been thinking about for years, even before we had Valkyrie archery. It's all I think about. I mean, this is what I've been building this and how we're going to do this and that. And, um, the, design it's very hard to improve we're always doing it we're switching shafts uh some of the shafting this year just for some bonding issues and okay um we found there's been you know the arrow manufacturers are always changing and improving oh they are yeah they're they're changing a lot okay i want to get to that garrett what is your request on the blood eagle and then i want to switch to talk about shafts for a second oh uh can you Please make a 200 grain non vented blood eagle. There Maybe. you go. There's a request. That, that's my request. <laughs> um, no. 
A short one would be also. <laughs> a short fine. one would be fine, but then you're going to get blade yeah. thickness is going to start. Well, we could just increase the ferrule length of the um, the body on the like the mm-hmm. 175. Yeah. Um, so I, I, if you want to get there at this point, I would say just use more like were you running a stainless steel something outsert or something. Um, well, so I have a different build that I'm working with this year. I have some TDTs that I'm going to work with, Okay. but I have 200 grain heads for everything else. So, so yeah. the problem with the, well, I don't, so you notice on our broadheads, they only go to five sixteenths on the ferrule. Cause I, well, you know, that was one of the things that I was always concerned about, even with grizzly sure. sticks in the beginning and mm-hmm. the tough head broadhead mm-hmm. trying to spread open to three eighths of an inch to get that tough head ferrule through there, like on their 300 grain head. Right. Right. And we're now we're just losing a lot of guys probably. <laughs> no, no, but this, the, this, our audience, they, they, they eat this kind of stuff up. So, so you know, you're, that's you're where it's trying to, you know, that's a huge hole. That's, that's a giant pipe. <laughs> so, yeah. and that was one of my concerns with running that stuff. And when you look at cause we don't, I don't see thicker shafts very often, even a five sixteenths, like a, like the gold tip hunter, we don't ever even mm-hmm. see them anymore hardly because it's all micro. Mm-hmm. But even when we look at it now, we're like, geez, I used to shoot that stuff because <laughs> it's so big yeah. around. It's kind of crazy. Then even, you know, with the wind blast, but we mostly did the shaft diameter for two reasons, wind drift and shaft drag. And one of the mm-hmm. things Ashby didn't test, well, at least, at least in anything I read was testing shaft drag on a moving animal. Mm. So that's one of the things that guys could test. If anybody's listening out there, I want to test something that not many guys test is shoot some meat and bones and hide. But right before the arrow hits, pull the pin and drop it. So it's dropping like an animal. That's where you're going to see shaft drag become massively important. And high FOC. Both of those high FOC and shaft drag become imperative on a moving animal. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as you get a low FOC, heavy shafted thing pushing from behind and that animal moves, your penetration is shattered. Yeah. Because oh, it starts, but the, 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 the direction vector will get pushed from behind and it'll banana out and you won't get near the penetration of the high FOC low drag shaft yeah so this is all yeah, stuff i the, mean this is weeds we're in the weeds but that's well, true no no well, no no but we, we, we've talked about it before but the, the second you get any type of lateral movement from an animal mm-hmm. the, the the energy that you have like the total amount of energy that you have coming in on that arrow is cut in probably in half maybe oh, lateral more. or dropping uh, almost every deer you ever shoot is dropping when the arrow hits it yeah 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 it's uh uh, so the only it, ones that it, don't it, seem to do that is bears and pigs. They almost yeah. well, they it, don't really do that. Yeah, they turn, but but well, but pigs will will turn to the left or the right. They turn or bolt. Yeah, ducking. yeah, yeah. But that's so, where you so want you that talk, head pulling. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's high front of center is gonna help you out a ton there, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that here in just a minute. But uh, but you're you're switching. Okay, so it sounds like you're switching shafts from what I understood from before. You had been using the X impacts. Uh, the the rain arrows were the X impacts from Black Eagle. We uh, use those. Were, we still use them. Yeah. We still use them. They have a nice. The, their two hundred spine is fantastic. 
Yeah. Um, and their other ones are fantastic too. The reason why we use the black Eagle, the Mm -hmm. tolerances were phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Not that you need tight tolerances on a high FOC system. You don't really need that tight long as everything's squared up and running true. But, um, the grains per inch were the lightest in the industry and Mm -hmm. the the tough and with the center pin, the toughness was there. So the center pin design without the center pin design got, you know, they've made some, you know, they've got a new system out there that's, you can still use regular screw in heads and they've toughened up the front end some, but it's, you know, still not comparable and you have more components. So instead of just having a sleeve and a head, now you have a pin, a sleeve and a head. And, you know, trying to get all that stuff lined up could be something. And same with gold tip. They kind of have the similar setup. Yeah. Less pieces equals better. And that's one of the, that's one of our mantras was I want as little, as few parts as possible. Because at one point I've said it before on other stuff and I had as many as 12 pieces in my arrow. Gee, back, back in the day when I was running, oh, serious, when I was running gold tip and then uh, Ken Beck was the owner of Black Widow Bows. And they were talking about mm-hmm. tuning arrows with adding weight in the back to get them to fly. And those arrows, and he even mm-hmm. has a video where he shot a caribou. I can still remember it. And it made sense. I mean, his arrows tuned good. They flew perfect. But mm-hmm. his arrow was flexing. He shot a caribou. I think it was a 20 or 22 yards. And they slow bowed the arrow. The arrow was spaghetti doodling all the way to the caribou. <laughs> so, and my 12, my 12 component arrow had three of the gold tip, uh, the little piece of all thread with the three 20 grain brass weights inside mm-hmm, on the front mm-hmm, end. Mm-hmm. Then on the back end, I had the knock insert with another piece of all thread with three 20 grain brass inserts on the back end. <laughs> Cause I was trying to get to whatever arrow weight, 650, I think to yeah. get the, you know, to the bone breach threshold. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that's a lot of dang parts. <laughs> oh, so, it's tough. Yeah. And then what, and your arrow, the reverberations of your carbon, um, you want to dampen that as quick as possible so that your arrow is flying totally pure and still so that the, the energy is transferred directly straight into the animal. Mm-hmm. And so if your arrow is flexing, and that's another thing about the heavy grains per inch, you know, you guys probably talk about that all the time. But when you do hit something and get knocked off course, that arrow is going to bend and flex. The heavier it is, the longer it's going to take to straighten itself out. Yep. And impact if it's pushing flex. from, if yeah, impact flex, and if it's pushing from behind, that thing gets knocked off. It's going to have a heck of a time because all the force is going now. The arrow's bent; it's still pushing, but it's going to push that arrow sideways, and it cause it to what I call banana. It's going to banana out some, and that's where that's why you don't want any weight in the back at all because it start yeah. it just create it's a it's a recipe for bad things. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. You want to try and minimize that. And really like, that's why I I switched to feathers to offset being able to shoot a a lighted knock because I do like to hunt with a lighted knock, but I wasn't about to do, you know, a four fletch with, you know, veins that are, you know, five to six, seven, seven grains and an, and a, uh, a lighted knock. So I switched to feathers just to offset. And that's one of the things we will only, that's their only sacrifice on FOC is a lighted knock because I think it's important. 
Um, sure. Yeah. And that's why we use the fletching we use. Cause we tried to pick the lightest possible fletching combo that'll still um, control our heaviest broadheads. Yeah. You guys use pro maxes, right? We use right now we're using the Arizona pro max in a four fletch yep. with a slight helical. Yep. Um, yep. Just because it's 20 grains, 20.2 grains for the white color that each color weighs a little bit different. Um, that's, that's weeds, but it's a little bit different, but, um, so we can get 20 grains of fletching control, even our largest broadhead mm-hmm. and, you know, cause we don't want that. We don't, and we don't do wraps. So and if we do, right, if guys right. want to do wraps and I recommend they just cut them as short as possible and don't use reflector wraps. And if you want to use reflect, cause reflector wraps weigh double, but if mm. you do use reflector wraps, then I recommend putting a standard thin vinyl wrap underneath the fletching because it's way easier to refletch with the wrap and just putting a small band of reflector tape behind it yeah so garrett just spray paints his yeah i'll say a life Uh, hack that i do is just i just spray paint them spray painting or dipping uh with the dip uh long as you thin it out it's usually only about a grain or two for a for a yeah, I think yeah. I have like I think I I'm trying to remember how much I put how much spray paint I put on the back, but I think I do like you know, seven eight inches of paint as a like yep. you know quote unquote cresting, and it's it's just legit straight spray paint. It's a layer of white and then a layer of fluorescent color, and it's like five grains, and that's, yeah, so that's not, more that's than enough. Like I can sacrifice that as long as I can find my. $50 arrow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, well, that's another bus. reason why we run but the also, so too, is because when you the, got a $40 you guys, head, you guys sell the, <laughs> you want to find it. Yeah. You guys sell the, um, just the regular fire knocks on the website. They're not, not the lighted ones, yeah. but just the regular ones. Those knocks are actually like, sell if the, there's any amount of, if there's any amount of light, like sunlight or whatever, like I can see those, almost as good as I can in a target or, or, you know, if I catch it in flight, I can see it pretty well, but you know, low yeah, light, you can't green, see it very green good. Color. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty good. I can see those, those things. Those things stand out real well. We use those and we, uh, on our standard, all of our arrows, whether it's the victory vap or the bloody, the rain shafts, mm-hmm. we use the Easton deep six G. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. Just because they're, the throat is closer to the carbon, mm-hmm, so yeah. that there's less flex, especially when you're pushing heavy heads. You don't want any steering issues in the back end. That's why on the lighted knocks, we recommend the fire knock because their throat is so short to the carbon. Yeah, and those things are, are like the, teeny tiny, and I really like them. They're teeny tiny. There's no flex. They're probably one of the most accurate knock out there, the, but they have a brittleness issue, in my opinion. Mm. So, yeah. so that's why they give you extra because the little ears will break off on them sometimes. See, I don't think I've broken any of mine yet, but so. I try not to shoot to break them. No, I mean, well, even when you're tapping them to um, turn them off, then oh, you mean the lighted ones? I got the you. The lighted you. ones, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the Easton Deep Deep Six G, not the regular Easton G, because the regular Easton G has a long. It's almost, it's over a quarter of an inch, I think, back to the throat from the carbon. And you could actually bend it with your fingers. And so with the Whoa. the deep six, we like, it's hard, you know, they're a little stiffer, a little closer. The throat is closer to the carbon. 
fire knocks are almost, I mean, they're like an eighth of an inch away from the carbon. So there's no yeah. room. There's no flexing at all. Yeah. So and, why are you, uh, why, why are you, uh, uh, you, you said you're doing the VAPs as well now. Is there any particular reason you're offering those in, in addition to the rain? The VAPs have gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've kind of found that out through trial and error through doing all the bow shoots and shows we did last year and mm-hmm. tuning guys with broadheads. And we found that the victory actually changed something in their carbon, whether it's the resin or I don't know the carbon or whatever they did, they mm-hmm. won't say, mm-hmm. but they didn't even publicize it, but they made their shaft slightly lighter and slightly thinner, but they seem to be pushing the heavy weight forward arrows better. So most of the guys that are shooting 300 spine X impacts or rain arrows <clears throat> can drop mm-hmm. to a 350 spine in the victory VAP Interesting. And, and shoot. Oh yeah. Well, I thought it was, you know, I just was just brushing it aside for after, but after time and time again, we started seeing this over and over with uh, guys at the shoots shooting our broadheads. So guys, like most guys shoot a 28 inch arrow out of a 70 pound bow mm-hmm. can run the 350 with a 200 grain head up front with the aluminum sleeve shooting like mm-hmm. a dart. And I thought, when the guys were, my guys were telling me this because we're, I was stuck here in the shop, and uh, I'm like, no, that's impossible. There's no way that's going to shoot. And then um, we actually had, we're at a total archery challenge in South Dakota, and Brandon had a guy. I was talking to him on the phone while he's shooting a two a 230 grain Jagger, 28 inch arrow, 350 VAT, shooting darts, uh, using his arrows, shooting darts at the broadhead target and i'm like okay go grab one of our rain shafts 350 same exact component same everything mm-hmm. and it could there's no way it was you know barrel roll and i mean it was just flopping all over the place and huh. i was like so then i was like huh maybe there's something to it yeah then, i have uh, noticed i mean at least in my you know my own shooting of them i've noticed at least a little that the vaps seem to be a little less brittle just so they, I don't, you know, I don't, it might be the same thing. I don't know if they use a different type of resin or something, but yeah, they, I well, haven't I think they use broken as many fiber. of them. Yeah. Think, and they use a different resin. Mm-hmm. So which they, like, I, I like the X impacts, but yeah, it's just, they didn't publicize them. Cause I'll tell you when we originally did with the original VAPs, like, well, the original ones years ago, when we did all the testing, I would always practice with like the VAP V sixes cause they were cheaper. Mm-hmm. But then and there was guys would ask me like, this is before we were Vic, or Valkyrie archery and online and all that stuff. And we're just selling through word of mouth and uh, guys like, which one's better? I said, well, they shoot, they both shoot like, you know, pretty much the same, but I use, but when I looked in my hunting quivers, it was all black Eagle. So mm-hmm. because the grains per inch were slightly lighter, so you're gaining a little FOC, which is minimal, but I mean, it was to me, it's worth it. Anything right. I could do to improve the arrow setup, I, I would do it. And um, so, but, you know, they're expensive. And the tolerances are there, which I didn't feel I needed because I really couldn't tell on group size between mm-hmm. the V6. And this shooting high, of, or, you know, EFOC. I couldn't really tell the difference with broadheads in group size. Right. But, um, but the push of the heavy heads thing didn't seem to 
it wasn't a thing. And then once we started getting more, you know, we revisited years, just about two years ago when we started doing the shoot. And mainly last year, it finally clicked while I'm like, there's something going on here. Hmm. And I I called Victory and talked to them and they're like, well, we might've done something, but I'm like, well, you did something (laughs) because they're not the same arrows we were shooting, you know, five or six years ago. Yeah, they're like trade. They're like, yeah, cool story, but trade secrets. So no, we're not. Yeah, so but I still haven't figured out because then I was like, well, so I got them both and I put them on the spine tester, and they spine exactly the same, but they just react hmm. differently coming out, of, especially that's, compound bows. That's so, wild. Yeah, and out of traditional bows, they seem to act slightly stiffer than the X impacts. Yeah, so, which follows the trend, huh? So that's, they just had, they just they just push the heavy weight forward. They seem to push it slightly better, but yeah, they're both yeah. fantastic arrows. And you know, I mean, what is the, your what is the Rain two hundred spine? It doesn't look like that's a Black Eagle, but maybe it yeah, is. the Black Eagle has a new. They finally, because I was asking them for years to build a two hundred for our heavier, heavy you know the eighty pound bow guys and the long right, draw guys, right. and, or something to go for Cape Buffalo and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, they finally came out with it last year, I think. And it's got yeah, all the tolerances. I, 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 yeah, I guess I'm, I'm just looking at it. There's a slight difference between the GPI and the diameter from listed on Black Eagle versus compared to that. So, but maybe maybe it's just a, maybe they updated theirs or something like that. But No, we might not yours? have. Well, well, I don't, I have a computer guy doing the website. So their gotcha, tolerances gotcha. are actually the, they're the exact same thing. Okay, so, so, so it, is, it is an X Impact, gotcha. It is an X Impact. Now we were using um, what the heck's his name out there in Montana? Um, oh, Element. You're using Element. Storm. We were using the Element Storm 200, yeah, yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah. So gotcha. Um, okay, that makes sense. So there were three thousandths. Uh, they're an inch shorter. So now they're thirty-two inches long. They have the plus or minus a thousandths tolerance. They're a little bit heavier, yeah. but yeah. they're just a. For guys going after big stuff, they're the, just a killer shaft. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to squeeze a 250 out of an 80 pound bow. I might have to go to a 200. Now probably. I'm looking at that. yeah. I'm looking yeah. at the same issue. 250 yeah. grain head or 250 grains up front. No, uh, 250. Yeah, I'm prob- I'm, yeah I'm 250 probably, spine uh, on 80 pound bow. Well, how what's it? But so what's how long an arrow? I'll, I'll probably cut mine to 28. You could probably do a real common setup for a, us. A 180, 180 short. 180 short jag with a steel, a stainless steel sleeve, and the 250 yep. VAP will shoot out of that bow all day long. Really? Okay. So, yeah, because uh, one of our guys, uh, Jeremiah from Wild Arrow in Salt Lake City, is running the 80. He's running an 80 pound Hoyt, mm-hmm. about a 27 and a half, 28 inch arrow, running 300 VAP with a steel sleeve and the 180 head. Wow. 80, okay. 80 pound bow. So yeah, it's a, uh, they, and that's one of the first guys I heard of running that light of spine with that weight of an arrow. And I just thought he had pure form and you know, whatever, you know, cause pure form guys can shoot just about anything. Right. Well, heck, right. What did yeah. Jeremy tell us? He was running on the front of his. Yeah. He was running that's around true. Godly yeah. amount. Yeah, um, Jeremy Johnson, uh, um, who likes your stuff, by the way, and he's uh, the most, uh, he's incredible. He kills everything. Uh, he was running over, God, over 300 grains on the I front of it. Yeah, the biggest thing he, he could run on the front of it. 
Yeah. Well, he was running an a, an a, a three fifteen. He was running an Ashby three fifteen on it. Uh, uh, and then um, he picked up some of Brent's uh the gluon adapters and was running a tough head on front of. Yeah, he was running a ton of weight on the front of a, a three hundred bap. And yeah. uh, yeah, so that that yeah. Well, some guys just have the form to do it, like you said. But, uh, you could, but that's yeah. that's good to know. That's good to know. That, that man, you could I do it, but it was imagine. without a doubt, time and time again, we did a. The, what I started really catching my eye was we did, I set Brandon up, we did a bow shoot up in Canada. It was an mm-hmm. invitational, I think, like 600 guys, and 90% of those guys were shooting the Victory Vap Arrows. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brandon went up there, I sent him up there with a bunch of stuff. We had our rain shafts, and um, that's when he was like, you know, all these guys are running Vaps. I'm like, well, just, just so throw some weight on there and see what it's doing. They can convert over later you know because we have all the different head weights and screw on stuff regular Mm -hmm. screw on stuff and um he's like i don't know what to tell you but you know that was where the most guys were shooting about 70 pounds with the Mm -hmm. 350 vap and we're putting out like 250 grains you know with the sleeve and everything on the front and they were shooting darts with the broadhead (laughs) i was like that's impossible he goes well i don't know what to tell you but that's what's happening that's what most guys yeah. are tuning out with up here and yeah. i was like so and then i went revisited for when i was talking with jeremiah from salt lake running mm-hmm. that 300 vap out of his 80 pound bow with whatever he had 200 and he had the 180 and 50 so he had 230 grains up front yeah 230 yeah. up front and i mean that's just a freaking death bomb coming out of there yeah no kidding man so, that'd be hauling out of there so that's why we kind of decided you know what i mean to it's going to improve our setup we can drop a spine we're going to save a few grains on the shaft weight because we're going to go mm-hmm. down it's not very it's not a lot it's maybe four or five grains 10 grains on like a 300 um mm-hmm. Going to a 350 VAT from the 300, it's about nine, 10 grains on a 28, 29 inch arrow. And then right. um, the, the 250s now, since they've changed their recipe, are mm-hmm. almost identical to the Black Eagle. Interesting. So, okay. But we almost don't hardly sell any 250s because everybody's tuning out with their, even with their heavy bows or long draws with the 300. Yeah. Well, so, I want to, we're going to get to that in a, in another second. Uh, um, but you, we, we've touched on it kind of throughout the whole, uh, episode so far, but front of center, uh, just in general, there's a lot of naysayers out there about front of center, but obviously that's what your entire system is built around. Um, what is the kind of like success that you've had? I mean, cause that, that's the big thing is all these guys are like, oh, when it works great, it works great. But then like, sometimes it doesn't, I think that's a tuning issue. Uh, but as long as you have your tune down, then there's really no there's, downside to front of center. There's not, there's none. So, but the two here, the problem with tuning is on with compounds is knock travel. And that's mm. where you get, that's why when we run, like well, if I hear a guy's shooting a Matthews bow, it's almost mm-hmm. a relief because they pride themselves in knock travel. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, that power stroke coming through their knock travel. So the way they design their bows is so linear that right. it doesn't, you know, it's almost a non-issue with the Matthews. With mm-hmm. other but with other companies, they don't worry about too much because most of the time they're building their bows around the standard store-bought arrow for the mass majority of their customers. So if it does come through and it's got a little bit of 
I don't know what you'd call it, but it's not perfectly linear as it's pushing forward. Right. Then that'll cause some flexion in the shaft. And with the broadhead, that'll cause it to come out of there. If it's not, they're not all indexed perfectly the same. You know, each one will plane a teeny bit coming out of the bow. So, and that, even if it's off like a 64th, that's going to translate down range to inches. I mean, lots oh, yeah. of, could yeah. be lots of inches. Yeah. So that's where the tune comes in. That's what you know, I try to get through to guys all the time, even when they're buying the test kits. Paper tune the bow. <laughs> that's the very yeah. first thing. You That arrow has to be coming out of that bow straight. Yeah. And so once you come out straight, then you can see the differences. But, um, so, and that's where, you know, the VAP shafts are somehow stabilizing that reverberation coming out a little quicker mm-hmm. for some reason sure. with their compounds yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, the Black Eagles are still, I mean, I'm still running them, but they're a fantastic, they're still a fantastic shaft. They just don't at, at high speeds or that high impact of release or the high acceleration with all that pushing. Mm-hmm they mm-hmm. s- seem to take a little longer to stabilize or something. I don't know exactly what it is, but it just, there's something there. So, hmm. but I mean, still, I mean, we still sell both because a lot of guys have already shoot the other stuff and they're dialed in and sure. Yeah. 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 There's still, it's just, and it's, they're both killer setups. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, uh, uh, and I mean, pushing, it sounds like that, you know, with, especially with these VAP shafts that if you're, if you can truly drop down that spine, then you're bumping. I mean, you're probably gaining what two to 3% front of center every no, time you, you not do that, that much. You won't gain that much. Um, it's no? a little bit, that's not, well, like I say, it's One only about two? four or five grains because the VAP 350 is heavier than the X impact 350, but it's not uh, as heavy as the 300. It's in between. It's kind of in between. So you're only going to gain, right, right. you're going to only drop about, I think it's about on a about nine to ten grains overall arrow shaft weight, oh, okay. but that's spread out okay. through the whole shaft. So your FOC, yes, it increases slightly, right. um, and your speed. In fact, when we were shooting the three fifties side by side, um, I went up and shot with uh, the Angry Spike guys, um, mm-hmm. Corey and uh, Shannon, and Shannon Bob's is a fantastic shot, and he was shooting the three hundreds X impacts with the stainless sleeve and the 160 grain jagger mm-hmm. short jag. And so I brought him, I made him some identical length VAP three fifties shoot side by side. And at 50 yards, his point of impact was identical, even though they're about four grains lighter, four or five grains lighter. Right. And I think they were 28 and a quarter inch arrows. He's like, dude, he goes, I can't tell any difference. And there is all broadheads. They're all shooting. Perfect. And side-by-side right. side testing at 50 yards. Now, where you get to see the difference is after 50. Yeah. So the lighter shaft and the um, the VAPs seem to have a higher point of impact out, like 70, 80 yards than, than the three I remember yards. at the Northwest Mountain Challenge last year, you had quite a few guys that you'd, like a few guys that were shooting the the injections or whatever with normal components, but same arrow weight. And then you'd give them their, give them one of your arrows in the same arrow weight and go, here, go shoot this. And they'd walk out, shoot one of theirs, shoot one of yours. And the higher FOC would be impacting like, I don't know how much higher, but a good bit higher 
then yeah. they'd come back all wide-eyed like what just what that happened? happens what was every that? time i told you guys i said the high foc arrow dropping is a wide is an old wives tale they don't yeah, drop it's gonna faster. it's it recovers faster so it's gonna shed less energy yeah out of the boat recovers less energy it's smaller diameter and it just yeah they don't the flexing because all that flex coming out of the bow does two things it decreases the and the weight of the shaft is going to keep that flexing flexing you know it's going to keep reverberating coming out of the bow and also at at the initial push you know it's going to won't transfer the energy as quick so right anyway they seem to hit they always hit higher always mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not it's not even a thing and what that translates to is downrange energy right. so oh, yeah. it's even if you think about it yeah. so i had uh, one customer he was shooting um he was testing out just for context the vented versus a solid blade 200 jaggers at 80 yards the point of impact difference was two inches the vented were hitting two inches lower at 80 um because of drag, you know, from the vents, mm-hmm. the noise is drag. When you hear noise, that's drag. Right. And uh, so 80 yards, but the feet per second difference at 80 was 30 feet a second difference. He had a chronograph set up out there at 80 yards that he was shooting through. 30 hmm. you feet a second. 30? 30 feet a second. Right. And what that, tra- but it was 30 feet at 80 yards, you know, so it was slowing down gradually as it got there. But by the time it got to yeah. 80 yards, it was going 30 feet a second slower. But all that translated to was two inches point of impact. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but he did find that the, that's one of the questions we're getting a lot of right now is the vented versus solid. Right. Um, you know, the vented make a little more noise. Um, they have less surface area, but, you know, they create a little more drag. But at two inches at 80, most guys can't even shoot that. But, no, um, yeah, you can't shoot well enough to notice. No, but he, this guy could. And so he right. was trying to develop a system for his desert sheep hunt. He was going to, he was trying to um, get his groups down at a hundred yards. And mm-hmm. so at a hundred yards, I think it was like four to six inches lower with the vented. That's about but, what I was getting the other day between a, I wasn't shooting the, I was just shooting a field point and then the vented head, but. Yeah, about four to six inches. But he also said between the solid 200s and the vented 200s, his group size at 100 was six inches with the solids and four inches with the vented. Even though it was the point of impact. So he went with the vented (laughs) because he wanted Mm -hmm. tighter groups. He goes, yeah, I'll deal with the the loss of speed. But my my take was on it, and it was cool because it's hard because I'm not that good a shot. I can't, you know do that but he uh, was getting a little bit tighter groups with the vented so he went with them and if there's wind involved the vented do have less surface area up front so it's going to push it around a lot uh, you know won't be pushed around as much um, mm-hmm. with the winds and stuff especially swirling winds and stuff like that so but it's a yeah. you know it's kind of guys want to know all the time what should i shoot i'm like well it's up to it's up to the it's personal choice really you know yeah my reason for my main reason for shooting the the short jags, the short non-vent, you know, the short jags that are solid is yeah, just short one eighties for, yeah, just for structural integrity. I want, I don't want it to mess up in any way. And the, you know, the mechanical advantage of that head is still pretty damn good. It's pretty, the, that's awesome. They're all, I mean, those they're heads all are great. Those head, like 
whether it's the short jag or the regular jagger, the they're the easiest I've had to push through something. Like it takes oh, yeah. no effort. But it's yeah. funny the uh, but the jaggers compared to the short jag, it's like night and day. Even when we're loading the up tins, when we push them into mm-hmm. the foam. Yeah. The jaggers go into the foam like butter. <laughs> and then the short jags, we've got to push them a little bit just to get them through. Because yeah. they're steeper, you know, that steeper edge. Right. But on, you know, hiding bones and stuff, it's fine. You know, the only thing I say on the short jag is if you, we haven't tested it on the knuckle. Mm-hmm. Um, but the jagger has been, it, it pretty much, you know, blow the, it will pretty much go through the knuckle if you have enough uh, arrow weight and speed. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure a- about the short jag yet. I had a deer move on, on me, and I hit it through the jaw. Like it, so I was probably not a shot I should have taken, but it would have been a frontal shot through the chest. But he ducked his head before he went to turn and run away. Uh, and I hit him through the jaw, neck, and spine. But it's still, you know, broadhead perfectly fine. We heard, so I thought my arrow was the noise that I heard coming out the backside. And it was bone chunks because we went down and found them because the arrow was still stuck in him. But oh, wow. Yeah. It, yeah. I was like, what was that? No-? I was like, what? That was a weird noise. I guess my arrow is gone. Then walk up to it and it was not gone. But then we found the bone chunks. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's, that's interesting. This was that's, like four inches of bone here. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what they do. But um, and, uh, Corey Ford from Angry Spike just. We, I just posted on Instagram. He was there over in Hawaii and he shot the axis deer quartering away. Perfect shot. But then those axis deer are wired like nobody's business. Yeah. And it, I guess it spun to run away on the, on the shot and his head turned and was like where his vitals were. Mm-hmm. And he went through the skull and he's using the short jack, the mm-hmm. 180 short jack. And it went underneath, right underneath the pedicles, like, through the thick part of the skull, you know, the back of the skull, so thick back there. Jeez. Went through both and stuck in the ground and pretty much pinned his head to the ground. (laughs) And uh, I was like, I didn't post it. He's like, you should post that. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to post that. You're like, no, no, that's bad. That's kind of bad PR. It's really (laughs) awesome. but (laughs) It's awesome. But I mean, but that's why we shoot the stuff, you know, because so worse. I mean, that was almost, if you'd have been shooting us any store-bought head, or almost all the other broadheads around. There's that's not going through there because his arrow weight wasn't much. I mean, he's just shooting the 250, the 250 rain. So he's about 525. He's got a little bit longer draw. He's got like 29 and a half inch arrows, if I recall. Yeah, he's and the steel like sleeve. And yeah, he's about 520. Yeah, he's probably 525 to 550 overall. Yeah, just I went, only know that because that's my build too. <laughs> yeah, he just went blue right through it. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, that's what it's for, you know. Right. That's what. So, yeah. So yeah, we have that. You know, everybody everywhere is always like shot placement, shot placement, shot placement. But it once the arrow leaves your bow, that's not a, in your control anymore. It's so. amazing to me. You got a big Ashby guys that everyone ignores. You know, Ashby said shot placement is random because you can't, you have no control over where your arrow is going to hit yeah. once you release it. Yeah. No, but everyone ignores that. But it's right. true. We yeah. say, you know, all the time. We, say yep. huh? we say shot placement is assumed, like proper shot, like you can place it where you want, but yeah. the impact of where it is actually going to end up is not, that's not your decision. Anything, it's not. And anything, anything can happen once the moment you, let the arrow go 
anything can happen. That's what we set up for. I mean, that's where we want to, that's what our arrow is for. And that's why I built it. Cause I could tell you from my personal experience, a lot of that, anything can happen has happened. It's been, yeah. it's been yeah, pretty rough. Cause you take a step, I mean, or you nick a branch, you didn't, you know, you didn't see and you're like, what, I, you know, and it glances off and you hit him in the shoulder or you hit him in the, you know, somewhere else. And it's like, you know, that wasn't in my sight picture. Where'd that come from? <laughs> so, right. Right. So, well, and that's another thing that I feel like high front of center can help on too. Oh, is, it helps know, a when, ton. When, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, one thing, so one thing you've got on your website that I have never messed with. And I all like every time I, I build a new set of arrows, I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I always forget about it is turbulators. Uh, mm-hmm. You put turbulate turbulators on all of your arrow all, builds. Every you single door, arrow, right? yeah. every arrow. Yep. Yeah. So it breaks up the drag. Is that essentially what it does? Uh, yeah. So, so for those who, for those who don't know what it is, it's like a little wrap that's in front of the two wraps that are in front of the vein or the feather configuration. Yeah, we do. You uh, only need one, according to according to Ashby. And the funny thing is, so at the Pope and Young convention a few years ago, Ashby did a, um, and at the time I was actually doing vein or uh, vein testing and feather testing for control in the mm-hmm. back, and you know, trying to figure out where I needed to be. And then, uh, I didn't go to that, that one. And, uh, so I watched the videos on the Alaska Boning website or Grizzly Stick website. Yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. I watched that video and I'm like, and I, my friends went to that thing and I'm like, hello. And they're like, what? I go, you guys, Ashby does this breakthrough, um, fletching seminar which is exactly what I was, I was spending months testing fletching and doing all this stuff. That's why I don't understand how he has so much time to do all this stuff. But I was like, he just pretty much lays it out right there and how to do it. And the turbulators. I mean, it's, it's, it's like almost a revolutionary idea and no one even mentions it anywhere. <laughs> I'm like, we're, what the heck were you guys doing? <laughs> right. And I'm like, that's, that's freaking unreal. He just solved the problem I was ha- that I was working on. But he already did it, so I was like, shoot. And the turbulators, so they're just two bands that go in front of your fletching, about a quarter inch. You only need one. We do two because we like the way it looks. I mean, it's kind of the, <laughs> the Valkyrie thing. It does and, look It does look good. And you know who does it? That I don't even know if he's knowing it or he might and doesn't say anything. Is Dan Evans has three. He has three hmm. on the oh, front I have of seen, his fletching, yeah, and his. he has three behind his fletching. And I saw that, and I'm like – Hmm, you got turbulators, huh? He's like, hmm. what do you mean these bands? I'm like, yeah, but he might do it for other reasons. I don't know, but he had them. And I so I just think it looks cool. It, well, and <laughs> but I want to, I tested them, the theories there because, you know, they put turbulator tape on glider wings for stability and to reduce friction from that smooth air that gets sticky hmm. and creates drag. And so mm-hmm. I was like, well, if it helps, at all in the smallest way it probably helps at super long at close range it probably won't help but it might help with the control of the fletching a little bit but um but it also reduces that drag so i'm like if it helps a little bit and reduced drag means more arrow speed which more means more energy more penetration and that's kind yeah. of why we do it if it's going to help you a tiny bit we do it so and most guys can't you won't notice any difference but like if you're getting a teeny barrel roll once in a while um, the turbulators can probably take that out. Yeah. So, hmm. I mean, I, 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 that. I need to, I need to order some of those. Yeah. Or you can just do it. I mean, we use, uh, we sell it. So it's super easy. Just, they're all the right length. They're all three, about three inches for most of our shafting is an eighth inch wide. 
but mm-hmm. um, Napa Auto has auto pinstripe tape. Mm-hmm. Ah. You can use the same, just Being cut it three inches. That. It's like 265. You can get different colors and stuff. That's so, my favorite person. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Or just use your arrow wraps, the common arrow wraps that come in. That's what I used to do in the beginning. Oh, just cut them in, you yeah. Know, cut them in one-inch yeah. strips. And, uh, I, I mean, eighth-inch strips. I'll say I was never able to uh, cut them evenly, so I gave up on cutting them myself. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> I used a uh, Havilon. Like I suck. <laughs> I used to do – see, I've, I've done all the fiddle-faddle, so you can use a, a metal edge ruler and say a Avalon. I, I'm, the, I'm dumb and just did it freehand because I'm not smart, apparently. Yeah, it works, but you just want to create nervous. But, um, but oh, that man. stuff, that's why Definitely we made them because I was like – I got tired of building arrows and fiddle-faddle and stuff, and that's why we built what we built because I was like out of frustration because I'm like I spent, yeah. I spent countless hours – and days testing and building and grinding on store-bought parts and components and sleeves. I mean, I mentioned it before, but the, not on this podcast, but that I can remember exactly when I decided to make my own stuff was I was building the gold tip arrows and I just screwed, I just ground off the collars of the gold tip, you know, their AccuTuff inserts or whatever they call them. Ground mm-hmm. off a collar of one and got the little piece of all thread and was screwing two together to make my insert twice as long. <laughs> and I got that in there, but it's hard to get those all squared up and straight. So when I'd rotate them and spin them and rotate them and spin them, and then, and then I was gluing sleeves, uh, aluminum sleeves over the outside, some old 2216s or something. And uh, got one done, uh, perfectly spun true, all glued up. I'm like, okay, there's one. Took me a half an hour. And I said, oh, I've only got 11 more to go. I said, this is ridiculous. I can't keep doing this every <laughs> single year because I was always trying to do something. You know, every year I was doing, you know, something like that, trying to build mm-hmm. what, I, what I wanted or needed. Right. And I was like, why doesn't someone just make what we need? Uh, you know, it was just out of fresh. I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I'm like, fine. I'm, I'm going to draw it. this up and I'm going to freaking go to a machine shop and say, I need these, in, these inserts and you know, and I want these outserts. And so I had them built and it was expensive, <laughs> but I didn't care. <laughs> that was for me. You know, same thing with the broadheads. When I built the broadhead, I built those for me because I wanted that three blade. I wanted two blade penetration and bow breach, single bevel, two blade, three to one mm-hmm. in a three blade though, because I was, I always felt that the two blade, even though I got great penetration, you could miss stuff because it's a single plane going through there, even though it's rotating. I just, we didn't, it just, it, we got a lot of stuff, but there was also some blood trails that were like, God dang, if I had just had one more blade, it'd have been nicer than having just a, that, even that S shaped curve, you know, seemed to plug up sometimes. Especially if you're yeah. hunting on the, you know, in the thick shit on the that's, Western side of Oregon, like that's, that's where not, we got, I mean, yeah, if he that's goes not up, ideal, if he goes 400 yards, you're not finding him. I mean, it's, yeah, you're, you're going to have a bad time. It's a bad time. So, and that's why I wanted the three blade and the three blade. Honestly, I truly believe that it flies. Our broadhead design flies better than any two blade I've ever shot. So it just doesn't seem to have the plane. It just seems to shoot really good, really yeah. accurate. So, yeah. Yeah. So something that we, we kind of, we've been talking about is, and especially with the, 
different builds and me starting to venture into the 80 pound bow realm is the different spines and maybe you don't know exactly what's going to end up working out but you have kind of solved this with a test kit and i saw you talking about it on social media the other day what what does this test kit comprise of and, and what all happens when you buy one so yeah so years ago when i was doing all my own testing you know you always had to buy a half dozen or a dozen arrows and parts mm-hmm. to see if it'd work you read about it in the magazine you buy a dozen try it doesn't work like you thought and then you're out, you know, a couple hundred bucks. And uh, I spent thousands of dollars <laughs> doing just that. And so right. I was like, well, I know guys were going to try this out. But I said, I wish somebody had a test kit that you could just buy a couple different arrows. We'll get you in the ballpark. And then you can figure out what exact, what's going to work best for your setup and for cheap price. So that guys can, you know, spend, well, it turned out it's about two arrows of 50 bucks. Spend 50 bucks. You can shoot it, see how the center pin works for yourself. Even just check out weight forward or shoot a 200 grain head. I mean, you can't do that anywhere. Right. You know? It's difficult. Yeah. I mean, it, no pro shop has a 200 grain head in it. Um, yeah. So, and guys, I mean, most guys think if you shoot a 200 grain head, it's going to drop like a rock. And one of the first yeah. things we did years ago was the first thing I would do was take their arrow, put a 200 grain head on it, take them to 40 yards and have them shoot the target. No, it's no different. What, most, what no, it would only it'd be like yeah, two inches lower inches. at forty. Yeah, 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 two or three inches lower. But most guys almost miss the target because they're aiming at the top of the target because they didn't mm-hmm. want to there to miss, you know. And like, um, just aim at the spot, man. Just that's what I told us. Just put your pin on the bullseye, and you know. But so that's that's where the test kit. I wanted to get let guys get it in their hands and try it for low price. And now we, we, we've upped that one further. Now we just, uh, we're doing free risk-free 30 day trial. Yeah. That's, I saw that. I yeah. Saw so that. you can buy the test kit. You have to buy it up front and all that. Then you can run it for 30 days and then send it back. If it's not as you don't damage it or break the arrows or anything like that, we'll uh, mm-hmm. refund the purchase price of a test kit. You're just paying for shipping. Right. So, and that way get it into more guys' hands that want to do, you know, they're on the fence thinking about trying it, especially right now, this time of year. It's uh, the time of year to start getting set up for fall. If you're anybody's to get yeah. a new bow, especially if you get a new bow or want to try a new setup or you, most of the calls we get are guys that shot something last year and hit them in the shoulder and didn't get them. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why, you know, that's why we're trying to get more and more information out there so that, you can change your setup before that happens to you <laughs> because right. that's, that's you, a hard one. That's a really hard one to convince people of though, yeah. for whatever well, but, reason they're I mean, like, well, if, if it ain't a, broke, don't fix it. It's like, yeah, but yeah, but if man, you shot playing, him right behind, if you shoot an elk right behind the shoulder and your arrow sticks in like six inches and doesn't go any further. Yeah. You have got problems. You, you have, it's going to get you. Yeah. So I yeah, mean, that's cause I tested just this hard. stuff out. Well, yeah, I tested this stuff out for three years with a 40 pound longbow mm-hmm. just to see what would happen. You know, I knew it would work, but I just want to make sure in a 400, I had a 480 grain arrow, 30% FOC. And that, <laughs> that setup has blown through a five point bull elk, about a 300 pound black bear and a couple of deer. Mm-hmm. And the only one I videoed, I was going to, I was shooting ground blind and some black, black tail. 
and I got about a 15 yard shot, got it on video, but I hit the tree he was standing next to. So it only buried to the knock. And I'm like, geez, I can't post mm. that because guys will think these arrows don't go in, but it would have totally, I mean, there was a nick in the tree and everything where my broadhead hit the tree. But, right. um, but that, and in fact, when I got, when I knew I was going to get a shot on the elk, it was a foot 40 pound wooden longbow. It was a thunderhorn. I mean, just pretty much like, it felt like a kid bow in my hands, especially when I had the antlers coming through the bushes. Right. And when I knew it was going to happen, I was like, man, I was pretty nervous. I'm like, well, this stuff's supposed to work. <laughs> so I gave him a shot and it just blew through him. I just went bloop right through him. And I'm like, and I was relieved. I was like, thank God I didn't hit anything. You know, I just got all soft tissue, blew right through him. And then when we were uh, skinning him out, it, he made it about 50 yards and tipped over. And when we were skinning him out, I'd shattered the ribs going in with the Jagger. This is a, the vented 200 is what I had on the front mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. And uh, shattered the rib going in, nicked the rib going out. And then my friend Tom found my arrow laying in the brush about 20 yards on the other side of him. That's awesome. 40 pound long 40 pound, 40, 40 pound longbow. 40 Man, pound that's... longbow, 480 grain arrow. I was like, holy smokes. That was amazing. That's that's so, incredible. And that's one of the things I wanted to touch on too with you guys is uh, the cutting diameter. Mm-hmm. Because we thought long, we spent a lot of time on cutting diameter. And uh, the one inch cutting diameter with a three blade. If there's nothing that stopped, I don't know really anything that stopped it. But once we increase it even slightly to go like a, our 300 grains, an inch and a 16th, and then we have an inch and an eighth, you, it's a tremendous amount of difference in penetration and bone breach between just a 16th of an inch. And so, hmm. and it's, 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 it's giant. So that's why we went with the with the one inch on uh, almost all of them up to two hundred fifty grains. It's all one inch, and then um, the same thing on the yeah on the blood eagle. Except for the blood eagle two fifty is an inch and a sixteenth. Yeah, some people get all bent out of shape about like how like they need some crazy wide cut head. I've literally never shot an animal and been like, oh, like I wish. I would have had an extra eighth of an inch because that's really it's these guys that go from, you know, they're like, oh, eight, yeah, one, one and an eighth isn't enough. I need one and a quarter. I'm like, I've literally never shot something. No, and like, I oh, can like, tell you that I you, need it. I need it just a little bit more. I've been like, oh, I needed a two foot broadhead because I completely whipped yeah. on that. Well, one. that can help you <laughs> in soft tissue. But the difference on it. So here's the thing. Uh, so our three blade broadhead is one inch cutting diameter. So what that means mm-hmm. is it's three half inch cutting blades so if you laid it flat it'd be an inch and a half two blade Mm -hmm. if you shoot an inch and a half two blade and hit them in the front shoulder you're not going in sure that's not going in even with compound bow not happening it's too wide unless it was like four inches long so right but with our three blade design you're getting an inch and a half of cutting it on three different axes but with the mechanical advantage very similar to the three to one two blade it's 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 you can't beat it because you're getting yeah. i'd rather have a one inch cutting diameter going all the way through them and getting two holes than an inch and a 16th or inch and an eighth that may be getting two holes and if you hit a heavy bone or knuckle you're toast yeah so it's, yeah, it's sure. not it's totally i'd rather have three feet 
Because even with that light bow on the black bear I shot, I, he actually turned kind of quartered to me as I was running my shot through him. And I went through probably two and a half feet, almost three feet of bear. And it was laid on the ground on the other side of him. And, you know, that's something that with a wider broadhead, it's the same thing on shaft diameter, in my opinion. A tiny bit of difference is a huge amount of surface area and drag. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's one thing. And I thought about that because I'm like, geez, guys are going to – all these guys want these wide cuts. And this is years ago, but now it seems to be circling back around where everybody wants a inch and a half wide two-blade. And um, it's just – you know, it works good on soft tissue. On heavy bone, it does not work at all. <laughs> so yeah. that's yeah. one thing it's, we're not it's, willing it's, to sacrifice. It's it's tough on bone, yeah. And and you're you built your like you built your system to to maximize penetration in every facet and lethal uh, hits overly overly, circumstances. Right. And overly wide broadhead is not gonna help with that. So when you when you do a test kit, it looks like it comes with uh three different head weights. Uh, and you can kind of choose which head weights you're looking for there. Mm-hmm. Um, does it, is that normally two different spines? Do, I guess if you do a two arrow kit, is that two different spines and you figure yeah, out Yeah, if you're in the best? 70 pound range. So usually if you're like a 70 pound compound, if your arrow length is going to be 28 inches or shorter, you're probably going to get a 350 spine VAP. Um, if you pick the, the light head kit with a 160, 180, 200, we probably get one with a steel sleeve, one with an aluminum mm-hmm. sleeve, just to keep. Because we want to keep our overall arrow weights in relationship to that. It's going to be, you know the upper four hundreds. That gives sure. you some other some right. options. And then um, right. arrows at twenty nine and longer, you would probably get a one three fifty and one three hundred. Mm-hmm. And so, and depending on depending on what head weights you pick, but most the most common setups are the 180, 200, 210, that's the medium light. Mm-hmm. And that, that'll right. give you that upper 400, low 500 range. And aluminum sleeves uh, are pretty much standard on almost all the test kits unless you pick the light one. Gotcha. So, um, and that's gotcha. what, and that for strength on game penetration and game bones and stuff, the aluminum and steel does not matter as far as sleeves go. So um, the way the well, center I think pin it, it's design more, works. It, yeah, yeah. I was going to say the way that your center pin works, I don't think it particularly matters. It doesn't matter. It just, it, really, it, just, it just holds it there. That's really all it does. Yeah, well, it's triple. You've got the sheath over the outside with the sleeve. You've got the carbon mm-hmm. tubing, and then you have the pin inside of that. So right. that when that was all designed so that by the time you're the aluminum, and it's all uh, – we use the aircraft grade, you know, the um, – 7075. Like 7075. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we only use the best stuff. So um, we use 7075. But if that ever bends or breaks, your arrow's already toast. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. the arrow's gone. Yeah. And it's usually that you can bend or break that stuff, but usually the arrow will break before that gives out. Like if you hit sure. rocks or oh, yeah. something like that. But yeah. on, on well, they make uh, they make bow risers out of seventy seventy five. They make That's bow risers normally, out like of sixty. It, most of them are sixty sixty one, which is the soft stuff that don't it does mm. not work good on mm. components but it's really cheap to mill because it's yes. so soft yeah it's soft yeah it's and they can soft. Do it fast so but yeah well in, in the beginning uh, we couldn't even get guys to make them because they didn't mm-hmm. they'd have to retool because they have to use carbide tooling for the 7075 
right. for the 6061, they could just use cheap steel tools in the machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, uh, I, I think just when I, when I just look through your website, like everything I look at, I'm just like, man, this was really well thought out. Like that, like this, like every single thing. So, uh, hats off to you for, for putting out something that, uh, that, you know, you didn't, you didn't cut any corners anywhere. No, well we didn't. I, like like I said, in the beginning I built it for me and I didn't care how much it cost. I just wanted Mm -hmm. to have, the best setup I could possibly build. And I actually had it for three years before we even thought about selling it because uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't get it cheap enough. I, we couldn't manufacture it cheap mm-hmm. enough. This is ridiculous. And yep. then finally we found yep. places that could build our stuff. It took me three years to find people that could yep. actually build it to where it would be semi-affordable for at least the hardcore sure. guys. Right, and, that's, right. and that's our market. You know, We want guys that are serious, that um, – you know, hardcore bow hunters that um, want the best stuff. And that's what we built. Yeah, absolutely. Garrett, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like that's the the common thread here with all of the people that we talked to lately is just, well, and throughout this whole podcast is that the best things come from someone that's like, well, what I want doesn't exist. I'm just going to build it myself. I don't care how much it costs because this is what I need. And then we get things that are good. That's how, that's how Valkyrie came about. I mean, that was built out of necessity for me anyway, because of all the bad experiences I've had. A lot of guys don't, you know, if you kill everything you shoot at, you don't need anything else. Right. But I spent a lot of time. I mean, my whole, pretty much my whole life revolves around bow hunting and getting ready, you know, prepping for the season, studying, putting in, I put in all, you know, a lot of States and I mean, that's what I look forward to. And then to spend all that time and have your equipment failure after you did everything. You no, practiced, so you got it, you're a good shot. You've done all your practicing, your training, you make a good shot or a decent shot and something, and then your arrow doesn't go in. That's just messed up. You know, yeah. or the bull, all the bull turns. I've had a couple of them turn into the arrow and I don't know why they do that, but they, you know, sometimes they do. And yeah. if you hit that front shoulder, you need a chance. Yeah, that, that's where all the goodies are. Yeah. So. Well, Brent, I really appreciate you coming on. Garrett, do you have anything else you want to touch on? Or Brent, if you have anything else you want to talk about as well. No, I mm. just encourage you guys to try it. You know, if you're on the fence and. Yeah, hit, hit up know. that test pack, man. Yeah, if, you're, yeah. if you're listening, go check out that test pack. It's like 50 bucks. Like yeah, it's, it's not, it's, it's not 50 bucks. Deal. You got 30 days. And then if you, then you just, after 30 days, if you end up figure out what you want. The arrow weight will be written on the arrow right by the fletching. Mm-hmm. The length, the arrow mm-hmm. length for ordering is written right below that. And then, so once you get, you figure out what combo is going to work best for you, then it's super easy to order. You can send that back or most guys keep it actually, but you can send it back yeah. and we'll refund the uh, forty nine ninety five. And so you're into it for just shipping and you get, even yeah. if you've always wanted to try shooting heavy stuff or heavier heads, with a moderate weight system and a weight forward arrow, yep. this is it. Yep. I mean, it's it's piece. It's a no brainer. Yeah. Say so this will yeah. this will be my fourth season running this stuff. Jeez. And you know, when I first look at it, like when I first looked at it, I was like, oh man, that's kind of expensive. But then I start doing the math, and like I'm I've always been a, like I've only really ever bow hunted just because being from the Midwest, you get a four month long season if you shoot a bow or you get a week long season, if you shoot a gun. So I'm like, I'll yeah. just bow hunt, but you know, you start doing just 
guys that are on the fence, I encourage you to sit down and actually do the math for all of the stuff that you have to buy every single year. Because at least for me, like I haven't had to do that unless I lose an arrow or whatever. I don't have to replace anything other than, you know, field points. Cause I'll miss no. and shoot them into a rock or a fence post or whatever. But like I can, you know, like you can pull, I've pulled outserts off of arrows and reused them. If the rest of the arrow gets trashed for whatever reason, and I've got more heads than I know what to do with all of it is like, it's all quality. So I bought it once and I, don't have to buy more of it forever if yeah. I don't want to. Well, that's what we wanted to build value in it, you know, for, like yeah. I said, I built it for me, but I wanted to have good quality stuff. I wanted to be able to shoot my actual hunting arrow and broadhead for practice. Yeah. You know, not all the time, but I mean, before season, mm-hmm. I want to shoot my number one arrow, my number two, three, and four, and make sure they're all dialed. Right. And yeah. shoot those like yeah. every day. Then you go back in with a sharpening wheel kit. You can buff them out. As long as you're shooting clean foam, there's no dirt in there or anything. Because if you, there's dirt on it, it's going to be like sandblasting your edges. Yep. But um, but if it's clean foam, you can go in there. You can shoot a dozen shots, come back in, and 10, 15 seconds, you're back to hair popping. Yep. So, yeah. And that's yeah. how – I mean, because I, I shoot broadheads almost year-round. I mean, actually, I do shoot broadheads year-round. And, um, yeah. you know, then when season comes, I just sharpen them and go. There's no mystery. Well, that I don't know. I know exactly where they're going to hit. And, um, when there's value there, as long as you don't lose them. Yep. Yeah. So it's hard to, hard to sharpen them if you lose them. Yeah. And also (laughs) I strongly recommend, well, guys think it's like some kind of sales gimmick, but it's not. I always shoot six dots on the target, not one dot. Because it's way yeah, too expensive. Do and I make yeah. this stuff, it's, and it's way yeah. too expensive to shoot one dot. <laughs> and once in a while, I'll do it. I'll be shooting far, and I'll be like, well, I'll just stick another one in there. I'm off a couple inches. And if I run the same shot and shoot it exactly the same, I'll be, I hit the back of the other broadhead all the time. Yeah, I'd screw myself over like, like, like that quite yeah, often. I'm like, like, I knew not to do that. Don't shoot yeah, the same I'll start, spot. <laughs> I'll start to stretch it out or whatever. And, you know, I like to see how well I can shoot that day. And some days I'm just on and like, I'll go out to 80, 90 yards and I've, you know, killed knocks and arrows and stuff at 80 or 90. It's too, like, it's too expensive. Like, damn it. Why did I do that? <laughs> Especially if you have lighted knocks in there. Cause those are like yeah, 20 every bucks time. Yeah. Every time yeah. I'm like, I knew better. I yeah. knew better. And I still did yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I just did it last week and I was like, God dang it. You know, cause every time if you, if you do hit a broadhead with the other broadhead, it freaking oh, yeah, it wrecks the edge, and you almost can't yeah, bring yeah, it back without yeah. really hogging off a bunch of steel. And I'm, yeah, it's yeah. Anyway, I just did it last week, and I was like, God, dang, I knew not. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, Brent, where can where can people go check out your stuff, uh, either on social media and your website? So, social media, we have, uh, Instagram or Valkyrie dot Archery. Uh, we're on Facebook at Valkyrie Archery. Our videos are on YouTube. You just look up Valkyrie Archery. We have our own channel. Um, there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot more videos coming out. We're just getting started on uh, posting more informational videos. There's a good yeah. three-part uh, intro series right now. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the website, it's valkyriearchery.com, all one word. And, um, yeah, they're on there. The test kits are on there. And that's what I recommend, guys. You just put in your bow weight. Um, right now, it's, it asks you for our back of outsert length, but I think I'm going to change that just to go to draw length. And then usually our arrows, yeah. their most common arrows are about a half inch shorter than your draw length. 
Yeah. So um, that's and it's mostly Matthews or half. Other bows are about an inch, but uh, a half inch shorter your draw length is pretty much pretty standard. You're not really giving up a whole lot by cutting them or by leaving them that long. So. Right. Right. So yeah, test kit. I would highly recommend and just try it and see what you think because it's most yeah. guys. It's to- coming from like store bought stuff or pro shop stuff. Completely different. Oh, it's I a mean, different world. And most of the time, guys need to buy new targets because their arrows are going to blow through them. Yep. Yep. Look into Matrix Targets. MatrixTargets.com. We recommend them. Or even the black Reinhardt targets, not the brown stuff. Yeah, the black yeah. ones. But yeah. the Rhino, the the rhino and, blocks. The 18 and, and ones are good. 18 and ones are good. And the Rhino blocks. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of guys are shooting the, the block target too, and not, but you're still sticking out the back on those. Yeah, say those ones yeah. don't last long at all. Yeah, no, so, they, go, they go right not, there. Not, not, not with these kind of arrows. They don't. They don't. <laughs> uh, Give it a shot. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Brent, I really appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us. Uh, I know it's been something that people have been pining over for for us to to get you on for a while now, and I'm very glad we were able to do this. And and, and in shot. the spring, you got you got plenty of time to to get your get your stuff figured out. You got all summer. Get there your you stuff go. figured out before fall gets here. So. And yeah, one other thing I wanted to kit. mention real quick uh, before we go. Yeah, go for it. Go so for when it. we're t- so this kind of gets lost in the all the weeds and stuff when we're talking, what you guys are calling EFOC, and your mm-hmm. your crowd is probably accustomed to it. But most guys think extreme weight forward. It's only about we we like them between eighteen and twenty percent. So, mm-hmm. but a lot of guys are already shooting this, calling it sixteen to eighteen. Because we measure the arrow kind of like Ashby does. We measure the throw to knock to back a point, the actual arrow before the head's on it. Measure that, find the midpoint, add the head, then measure the balance point. That gives you, that's what we were calling 18 to 19%. Most guys that say mm-hmm. they're running 16 to 17%, when I hear their setup, I'm like, dude, that's like 20%. But they're measuring, especially with our broadheads, because they're like two and a half inches long, they're mm-hmm. measuring the arrow with the head on it. Right. Yeah. And so that's yeah. moving their midpoint further forward. So they're then they're coming out yeah. a lot of even a lot of popular guys are calling it eighteen percent when they're actually shooting eighteen. Mm-hmm. I mean they're actually they're calling it sixteen to seventeen percent when they're actually shooting eighteen or nineteen. Right. So, right. And we measure arrow length as arrow length on everything from the back of point to throw to knock. So mm-hmm. not not carbon to carbon. You know not to the end of the knock or anything like that. It's throat of the knock where the string sits to the back of point, which is the very end of your sleeve or outsert or whatever you have out there where the head screws it. Right. So that's something that I wish the industry would straighten that out <laughs> because carbon to carbon can mean whatever because all the different sure. inserts yeah, and yeah. outserts and knocks are all different lengths and it doesn't mean you can't really give you a good grip on how long your arrow yeah. actually is. Screw screw point to string point. That's where that's that's really it. Oh, you there know, you where, go. Where the yeah. broadheads screws in to where it's it's knocking on the string. Yeah. That's screw to string. There we go. Man, I just came up with that on the fly too. There I'm pretty go. proud of that. That's good. But that's what <laughs> that's what we call arrow link. That's how we measure the FOC. Yeah, and a lot of guys that don't think they're there. And in fact, I talk to them almost daily. The guy's like, "Well, I'm only yeah. like 16." And I'm like what's your setup? And they tell me that they're shooting a 200 grain head and a 300 spine. I'm like, well, that's at least 19 to 20. Right. And they're like, right. Oh, then I find out that they're measuring, you know, the whole arrow with the head on it. So, 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which and you're going to get your yep. same performance. It's just you know a lot of guys are already at the th- and you know that's a threshold we try not to go below is that eighteen percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's yep. where the head's pulling the shaft, and you're not, and the stability's there, the post bone breaches there, all the good stuff starts happening from there on up. Yep, yep, absolutely, so, absolutely. Uh, get right. that, get that front and center. I am, I, I, I think it works. Science says it works, but uh, some, for some reason, some people still don't think it does. But uh, once again, Brent, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, uh, talk with you guys. Yeah, yeah, very, very happy to have you. You were. Welcome back on anytime you want. Uh, uh, we are we're always looking for uh, uh, intelligent people to come on and talk about uh, quality products. So you are you are more than welcome to come on uh, at any time. All right, well, it was a great talk with you guys. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Garrett. Yeah, thank yep. you. Thank you. Yeah, right. appreciate it. Thank you so much for sticking around. So the promo code for 25% off your order with Sports Suds is lethal, L-E-T-H-A-L. Go to sportsuds.com and use code lethal for 25% off your order. Remember, your clothes will only last as long as you take care of them. Don't destroy that $1,000 Sitka or QU or First Light system once you get home and toss it in the washer. Use the natural materials that Earth has given us. Wash them with Sports Suds detergent. Guaranteed to treat your hunting clothes right so they'll last you for seasons to come. Go to sportsuds.com and use code LETHAL for 25% off your order.